I'm Richard Stanley, and you're listening to Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie. Another episode, Shaw Creamy with Mel and Maddie, doing it big, having good times, having fun, island in the sun, in the third star from the moon, we have a guest coming from a different galaxy this evening, he took a spaceship for three weeks to get here, (laughs) I think I hear him in the background, I think I hear him in the background. God, I'm giggling up a storm right now. Fan favorite. The man that everybody loves. Anthony Thurber. Hello, everyone. How you doing over there? We got doing very good. We got Welcome Mad back, Mad. my friends. Glad to be back. Always happy good to have Thurber in the building. Yeah, and happy new year because we haven't really had the opportunity to talk since the year has started. Yep. The Thurb is a, a true fan favorite. The patients out there love Thurb, of course. Um, He's their pick of morphine. Yeah. This is uh, your third time around the sun with us, I think? Yes, it is. Very beautiful, very beautiful thing. You know what I mean? Uh, the host of Anthony T's Horror Show out there for anybody out there who enjoys... Uh, Horror podcasting, which if you're listening to our show, I assume you love horror podcasting. Go check out Anthony's show. And he likes long walks on short piers so we can push off the people he doesn't like. <laughs> like Jason Bloom. Jason Bloom. <laughs> sometimes he does a great film, sometimes, well, aggravates me. Well, I'm glad you say that because, ladies and gentlemen, we have somebody else on the call. Mr. Jason Bloom, he had a few things he wanted to say to you, Tony. He has some differences he needs to work out with you. Yeah. He has your Funko Pop. He's got your Funko Pop. And it's yeah, box. His bo- your box is not dented. He says he has more respect. Oh, yeah. I have probably one of the worst dented Funko Pops in my collection. The now, Jason Bloom one. How many? In the, there's a director series to the Funko Pops, right? Yes, I'm not sure how many in general. I know I, I think, like. I think Eli Roth has one. Uh, yeah, Hitchcock has one. Del Toro has one. Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith. I think um, Quentin Tarantino. I'm surprised if he didn't. I remember, um, Tony. You get into action figures outside of Funko Pops? Sometimes the NECA ones. There was. Um, do you guys remember when they did those? Hate. Uh, was it the Hateful Eight action figures? Not really. Yeah, they were. Um, it was a weird. They came out with the movie, obviously, but the, it was all the main people, and they gave Quentin his own action figure, which was fun, which was cool. It was like him from the set. I remember that being cool. I wish I picked it up. But yeah, Funko Pops are the deal, man. They've taken over the world in what the last five, six years. Like they came on the scene and just blew the fuck up. Like seriously, they came out of yeah. nowhere. Like at first, I'm like. 
I keep hearing like like my baby cousins and whatnot talking about them, and I'm like, what the hell is a pop? You know, right. get some kind of cereal or something, or a lollipop exactly. or some kind of stupid shit like that. And then they showed me, and I'm like, oh, those are cute. And then my first one was Snarf from Thundercats, and then it was a wrap from there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I um. Do you guys remember the those vinyl figures as well? Like the brand name was called Vinyl. Yeah, I've got a couple of those. Too, yeah, I got Dorbs. I exactly. I got some of those. Um, when Fye went out of business, I grabbed them for like two bucks. Yeah, I don't they were even stupid cheap. Yeah, yeah. The same thing with the Funko Pops. Like I appreciate all figures, but I don't get into the Funko Pops because I already have enough things I spend so much money on and shit that it's like I feel like that I'd want like thousands of them. Like I could, you know what I mean? Um, so I kind of like every single Pennywise one there is, and I'm like well on my way to having a vast majority of them, but. The, my, uh, my I probably have the vast way. majority of them already. What's yeah, I know you do. Seven? Your pop game is strong. I can see it behind you. <laughs> like, so how many Pennywises do they have? Like seven or ten? Like, there's like a good dozen of them of the yeah. small because there's different variations. We, so we got the road. You guys get the Rhode Island. I got the Rhode Island. Yes, got that right. one. That was that big. was my first stop that, that when the convent the year they had those. I wonder if the fact that Pops kind of were in Walmart, um, more like, you know, collectible figures have kind of come up in the game as well. Where you go to a Walmart, you go to a Target, they almost have their own section. Um, the Funko they Pop. All, they, they get their own. Um, I have a, a Pop that I got from Walmart. It's um, an exclusive to them. Yeah. It's um, a black and white version of Daryl from The Walking Dead. Okay that I could only I only found there and I'm so glad I grabbed it that day because I had never seen it before and I haven't seen it since yeah I almost feel like Funko might have been right on the wave of that new that 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 new age of like bringing the you know when they were realizing that the the collectors out there would go and buy a new in-store action figure for a top dollar you know what I mean like recently I put up pictures of um like those retro Ghostbuster figures that they yeah, re-released that look they look exactly like the 80s ones you know what i mean uh which i love that i'm a huge fan of that there's he-man ones out right now that uh i'm waiting for them to come down a little bit but yeah i love all that throwback shit and pop culture like before the show started we were talking about conventions which goes hand in hand with that you know with, with all that um it is it's you know these whether it be movies or comic book heroes that you kind of grew up with that that's why you go to these cons to see these things the same deal you know pop culture is definitely is a big old money sign you know what i mean for sure um like my favorite thing are the living i love living dead dolls and if i could i would buy every single thing that comes out with the living dead dolls but like they're just so big and i don't take anything out i leave everything in their boxes that you start kind of running out of room so It'd be like trying to, you know, you really can't put them on display when you have so many of them because you got to kind of like put them on a shelf like it was, they were books just so you have enough room for everything. Yeah. I mean, those living dead dolls, even they were at, during their heyday, they, they, those were a huge deal too. They're expensive. I mean, they come out, they're still coming out with some pretty dope ones though, because they have like the zombies from Dawn of the Dead that they came out with. They have, um, there's a clockwork orange one of Malcolm's character. They ha- That's they just cool, out- yeah. Yeah, they just came out with the twins from the... Sh- they have the Shining series that just came out. Um, I support just- that. Yeah, they just re- released um, a Universal Monsters edition. It's like, 
they had the four horsemen of the apocalypse at one time. That's cool. That, that yeah, that was a dope fast set that I like regret not being able to have gotten because like the cost the you know, the clothing on them was fantastic. Yeah, those Dawn of the Dead ones. I remember being really cool. Yeah, I think the first time I saw them, um, I think it actually was at Scaricon because they had just come out like the week prior. So they were like really literally hot off the press. To go back to Wally World there, but I was talking to somebody earlier this week about Walmart. Um, even their t shirt selection. Okay. For the horror show is stuff they've fucking set for horror, pop culture, T V shows, like when we were younger. If you, you go to Wally World, you'd be lucky you find, like, a fucking T-shirt with, like, the Wrangler logo on the fucking thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, now like, you find it, ramen noodle mm-hmm. T-shirts. And that, t-shirts. Now you find everything you could. Uh, the Office, fucking Halloween. There was, like, Halloween. Yep, you know, I seen, a, I seen this crazy. They had a, um, they had Chucky and Freddy Krueger-themed Christmas shirts. At a Halloween, at a, at a at a fucking Walmart. Oh no! You see, if I'd seen those, that would have been my ugly Christmas sweater. They, because... I would agree. Uh, mm-hmm. They were too small for, for your boy. They were too small. But um, if I seen them in my size, I would have grabbed them for sure. Like that stuff was cool. Um, I mean, they're they're doing a big band thing layout right now. Where in the beginning they started, they had like ACDC and Pink Floyd. You know, stuff like that, real big bands. But now you yeah, got, now they got like Johnny Cash, Tupac, Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash to Tupac. Wu-Tang Clan, Ice Cube, yeah, it's crazy, it's, the sock game's pretty cool too, if you don't mind me hopping into the sock game real quick. Oh god, no, I I love, oh my god, I I need another hero (laughs) just for my socks, just because I love them. Tone Loke, you get down with like pattern socks, with like the designs on them, or you just wear straight colors? I just wear straight colors. Yeah, I usually, I got... I I we, I rocked. I used to rock the white a lot back in the day. I still got them. I, I wear a lot of black socks now. Oh God, I'm, that's boring. I've got I've got on like right now. I got on Nightmare Before Christmas. I've got Ghostbusters. I've got Pokemon. Oh, yeah. I've got. <laughs> I've had um. Su- I had Suicide Squad when Suicide Squad came out. Yeah, um, I like, buy them. I buy oh, those I socks. Them. I absolutely love them. Friggin' I, the only thing yeah. I haven't gotten yet, surprisingly, I haven't gotten any Baby Yoda socks. I buy. Yeah, I'm surprised they, they never came out with any Baby Yoda socks. They do have Baby oh, Yoda socks. I'm sure socks. they have to. Haven't, they do have they them. Have I to. just haven't bought them yet. Yeah, because Wally World got that eight, like an eight-pack situation. Yeah, I they have I, them at um, – mm-hmm. I don't always like the, the sock game. Like, I love going in uh, for, to buy socks that have, like, pop culture on them. It's, the best spot is Newberry Comics. Well, the best spot if you, want to pay, pay, if you want to pay more money than they're worth. Then that's oh, yeah. definitely the best spot. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you order them on Amazon and go. You know. Go to Wally. Go to Wally. Wally has an eight pack or, or a six pack. They Mario Brothers and stuff of, in there of too, Mario, right? but something that Mad Mel would like. They had it. They had it reboot. It Pennywise is like six packs for like eight bucks. Oh yeah. You know? See, now I need to go to Walmart and get me some Pennywise. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, and I buy all those socks, and I have weird deals, and you know, you, you, you get the socks with like fucking pineapples on them and weird shit. Like the pot leaves. I, I got like fucking like yeah, pot leaves. I got like pink socks with fucking donuts on it and shit. Like I when I wear shorts, I, let's just say I wear my black socks or my white socks unless I want the looks. But sometimes I want the looks. So it's always best to go for the looks. That's why you wear the crazy socks. Catch me wearing some weirdo shit for sure. For sure. I'm all about that weirdo shit. Tony, what's the weirdest thing you wear, you think? 
Probably shirts. That is a, that's a, a shirt. I'm going to rip my shirt off right now and, and, and to join you. Shirts are the weirdest thing. I'm with you on that. Because and I wear mostly pop culture shirts. Yeah, today I'm that's rocking tough. out with the today I'm rocking out with the Eclipse shirt. So, <laughs> Jason Lively. Tony Thurb's wearing that shock treatment with Mel and Maddie yellow belly shirt right now. Pimping kid, looking pimping. <laughs> Killing it, dude. You know what I mean? I actually I'm excited. I can't wait for those to come in so I can start wearing it. By the time this is out, they'll be in. Yep. Scarves. Uh in my older age, I started wearing scarves. Uh I all when I was like in my teenager teenage years, I'd look at people wearing scarves and like I'd give laugh. them the Yeah, I'd be like, ah, ugh, what is this? What is this hipster shit? And um It's not now, a scarf, it's an ascot. Now that I'm yeah, now <laughs> that I'm now that I'm an old guy and I get the chills easily, um I got like fucking twenty scarves that I've acquired over the last like two years. And every color and pattern imaginable. Only the dopest patterns and colors imaginable. I'm getting a futuristic scarf that's clear and it changes with my mood. That would kind not of a scarf a person. You know who the you know who was a, you know who wasn't a scarf person? Robin Williams. Oof. Did I say that too soon? <laughs> Alexander Hawk just broke down and fucking emotionally at his kitchen table eating dinner because of that jab at Robin Williams. Now we love Robin Williams. Rest in mm. peace. I should have went with Chester. He's a little less liked. You know what I mean? You could have gone with MJF. Michael, what? Michael J. Fox? No, Maxwell Jacob Friedman from I, AEW. I thought you were going to say Matthew Jason Fisher. That's me. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Not yeah. you, literally. MJF, I like that. I dig that. I, there was a period in my life where I contemplated being credited for film as Matthew Jason Fisher, like a Paul Thomas Anderson type deal. But I stuck with just what it is now. But I got the one T, which is different. What do you guys think? We think Matthew Fisher is better than Matthew Jason Fisher, or should have I gone with the Matthew Jason Fisher? Matthew Fisher. I like that. How about or Matthew you, J. Fisher? Matthew J. Fisher. Yeah. I'm gonna change my name to Jagoff. <laughs> <laughs> and I want everybody to call me Jagoff from now on. His name is Craven, and his last name is Moorhead. Or you can go with it. MJ Fisher. MJ Jagoff. I love Jagoff. You never hear Jagoff anymore. And I think it's just an somebody saying Jack off with an accent. Jagoff with a J. Jagoff. J A G. J A G off. <laughs> so, you know, since we're talking about jagging off, we'll get in some guilty pleasures. <laughs> and um, you know, we're rounded out number dose on our uh, guilty pleasure roulette game that was a big fan favorite and a, a favorite of all of ours here, uh, where we kind of rolled through some lists of some some horror films and sometimes not horror uh, films that you know maybe we might be not so proud to say that we endorse these films or may not be happy to say that. So many hours have been lost sitting in front of these films, but if they were burning, if they were burning up in a fire, we'd go in that house and get them type deal, you know, if we heard yeah. them crying from the window. 
Yeah. But uh, so, you know, it, we were talking before earlier in the first episode, we threw around so many movie ideas that we're going to cross our fingers and hope that we don't overlap with these. But we can. And if we do, and if you're a real fan, contact our Facebook page. Let us know what we talked about twice. Maybe you'll get something beautiful. Get something nice? What? Maybe we'll start giving out gifts to people that pay attention. Maybe we're all just evil geniuses and we're not we're not lazy folks that didn't want to go listen to the first episode. We're evil geniuses. Looking Dude, we gotta we gotta start throwing trailers from well, oh yeah multi pleasure stuff too because let me tell you <laughs> some of these trailers for these bad these like really bad horror movies out there right. I've sat and laughed my face off at oh my especially Italian horror films oh no have you seen the trailer for the movie called Lamageddon? Oh, I've heard of <laughs> Lamageddon, Yeah, I was laughing my ass off when I seen that trailer. It's I'm like, all right, the trailer was enough for me. I don't need to watch the movie. It's funny because you know, all these, you know, all the bad horror movies still have their place in horror because it makes you wonder almost if, if horror, if, if for some reason we, you were able to get away with nothing but good horror over the years, where all the films that weren't up to par didn't quite make the cut, almost like an MPAA board was like, well, that's not good. That's a bad guilty pleasure movie, and you, it never came out would the culture of horror still be the same? If everybody was fed a dose of higher brow, almost hipstery, classier, and I like these films, um, type of horror, you know, we, and there was no such thing as these horror comedies or, you know, these movies that are just so bad that they're good in ways. You know, what, 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 what's your take on that? What, what's your take on horror without guilty pleasure horror you think that these guilty pleasure horror movies sustain the culture because they are bringing money into it and attention to it i would say so because there's always a following to these films and if you have a following to something eventually it's going to make money look at companies like severin synapsis and vinegar syndrome Mm -hmm. you Half of these titles I never heard of in my life. But after hearing, like, buzz for some of these films, I'm going to pick it up. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Mad Mel, how do you feel about that? It it gives you um, appreciation. It does. For the good films. Because, you know, if everything was uh, knocked out of the park, you know, slam dunk winner, we wouldn't have the appreciation we do for the good and the bad. That's a really good you point. Know, yeah. You, yeah, you have to have the you have to take the bad with the good. So, you know, I'm gonna say, you know, I love my the Zombieverse movie, but it's not gonna deflect the fact that you know it's absolutely never ever gonna happen that you're gonna see. You know, mm. you you need that because you can't just have the Romero classic zombie movies. Let's make the animals come back and kill you too. Yeah, you all. There's always like this weird divide within the horror community that you'll see. Where with a more higher brow horror like a hereditary or like a midsomar, as opposed to we I actually even say a terrifier type film. Both of those films around the same time, both have gigantic fan bases for them, but two completely different horror films. And I'm sure that you could find 
I, I'm positive you could find people that love Hereditary that say Terrifier is dog shit. In the same way you can see someone that loves Terrifier that would say Hereditary was dog shit. You know what I mean? And it's oh, just, yeah. It's a weird takeoff. Yeah. And then you've got it's, me that likes both of them for the different reasons. Yeah. Basically, those films have two different fan bases. Right. The horror art house crowd and the hardcore horror fan crowd. And sometimes those don't intersect with each other. Yeah, I wouldn't say, I don't know if I'd call it hardcore horror fan because then you would say that you would have to be a hardcore horror fan to like it. Like slasher. More, yeah, slasher exploitation, I'd say. Yeah. Right up, yeah, you're dead on with that for sure. But yeah, it's weird because they're all everybody's circled into the that horror fan genre. And then you take in the whole thing with like t- horror television where you'll talk to people that love Walking Dead or American Horror Story, but don't watch horror movies at all. You know what I mean? I'm sure you guys have met people like that. Oh, God, yeah, because, you know, horror movies for some people, unless it's on TV and, like, all the really good stuff is taken out, it's easier for them to digest a TV version of the horror because it's been dulled down so much to be able to be shown on television, or as I like to call it, wussified. Yeah, <laughs> you know, for those that want to watch horror but can't hang with the big boys. Yeah, I mean, television is more art housey horror. You know what I mean? It broken up into episodic, you know, adventures. But yeah, as a horror fan, I mean, I love all. There's a, there's a, I love Hereditary, and I love Redneck Zombies. You know, two different flips of the spectrum. You know what I mean? But I did, you know, it's interesting when you come across fans that, and I will say that I've never really gotten too deep into like this newer age horror TV thing, which I don't, I don't hate on and I've just never kind of really had the time to sit down and really get involved. Um, Cause I probably would get wrapped up in that as well, but I always find it funny when there's fans and there's definitely fans. Like, I think all of us here, like all these movies that were mentioned, you like hereditary. Anthony? Yeah, it was a very good film. Yeah. I thought that was like a masterpiece of its time. I know Mel likes it. Yeah, uh, I, I I mean, it took me a couple of watches before I really appreciated, you know, the film as a yeah. whole. Because, like like I said, I've got the bad habit of watching certain movies at inappropriate times where I can't really focus on it. Yeah. So, you got to, you know, I kind of have to go back and rewatch it. And then after I, when I went back and rewatched that, I was like, wow, this movie is really friggin' good. Yeah. 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 With uh, films like Hereditary... The Witch, It Mid-summer. Follows, those focus on performances style. and all the yeah. style and a- aspects of horror. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll say it. something like Terrifier focuses more on the kill scenes yeah. and over-the-top action. Yeah. Fully. Fully believe that, yeah. Yep. Like, and I like, like, with like Terrifier, it has that whole like gritty '80s grindhouse vibe to it. Whereas like Midsoma or Hereditary, like looks like it's shot in like real life. You know, they've got followed around, like almost like a Blair Witch type of vibe. You know, yeah. like well, more real life situations polished. than yeah. It's a lot more polished. Yeah. Too. You know what I mean? I think like like you take Dexter Chainsaw Massacre, those originally shot on sixteen millimeter film. And you get that weird look to it. And that's part of like, part of the vibe, I think, that was the success. Yeah, the ambiance that makes it. That is that it, 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 
not I, I wouldn't want to say a cheap look to it, but kind of like a cheaper look to it. You know what I mean? And that that adds to it. I think you know those, those films came from those films came from a time where I think that the they were making them so like low budget and it was new to the game that when you when you released a movie that was psycho like fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they almost get the vibe of you have these lunatics running around making this movie. So it's almost like you're investing in the filmmakers off the bat as like, you know, storytellers, so to speak, because you're, you're like going, wow, this dude must, he made this, he must be a fucking, like a psycho dude, interesting artist, we should follow him type deal. You know what I mean? Um, and the same with the same thing with Heredit. With Hereditary is the same deal. You know, Terrifier is is a fun movie too. You know what I mean? I like Terrifier. Um, you know, movies like Terrifier. I'll be very curious to see kind of where they end up in like ten, fifteen years. You know, I do think that Art the Clown is like a new age Freddy Krueger for sure. Um, it'd be, I'd be yeah, I, Art the Clown might be bigger than the franchise already which is one of those things you got to, it happens. Like when you see Friday the 13th, like Friday the 13th eventually stopped being Friday the 13th movies and started becoming Jason movies. Jason goes to hell, Jason X, etc. Yeah. It's once like Kane Fred, Hodder like, took over the role. Because the, the icon becomes bigger than the franchise. The same thing with Freddy Krueger, the same thing with Chucky. You know what I mean? The, the, the names become well, the name it's, of the it's film. It's the same thing too with like Hatchet with the, um, with the character. Victor, Victor Crowley. Crowley. Victor right. Crowley. That's Absolutely. another big one. That's the deal. And I think that, I think Terrifier already did that. I think, I think Art the Clown's already bigger than Terrifier, the franchise of Terrifier. Yep, and the second movie hasn't even come out yet. Yeah. So, you know, and I give a lot of that credit too, because I think, I think David nailed it. Yeah, for sure. With that role, because, you know, there's a big difference between David's performance of Art the Clown than when you watch like All Hallows Eve with the person that had initially portrayed the character of Art the Clown in that. No beef, because that's Damien's boy. No, I know. No beef at all. <laughs> but no, you're right. Yeah, David, uh, great. Um, and yeah, like, it, it, it's one of those deals where lightning in a bottle with him, I think, getting him for that character, because he is so animated and boombastic that, um, yeah, like, it, it, it's, if you kind of think of just somebody else in that role that isn't as over the top and animated, like it, w- it would have felt dead, it would have felt flat. You would have got yourself in a situation where you see a lot of these, you know, kind of lower budget horror movies that make a clown, you know, like the killer or something, um, or in a slasher type thing. You end up with Killjoy. Well, you know, yeah. Kill- as, as we talked about in the last Guilty Pleasures movie, you can find some enjoyment in Killjoy. But, you know, the idea, I give them credit because the idea of the clown being the killer has been played out for a while. And the fact that they could kind of do that in almost in a fresh new way and almost reinvent, if you will, almost the clown killer thing I thought was. Especially when you take into consideration at the time that Terrifier was initially released, it was when the reboot of it had just come out, too. So he's going up against a whole new, you know, reimagining of the character of Pennywise, too. So, you know, you got the people that are big about into like Pennywise or clown you know, like Captain Spaulding and, you know, yeah, things like that. that. Helped them, then, yeah, I, I think, think that helped terrify. That helped. That, was, it was yeah. all around the same time. I agree with the tone, man, on that. And like, the I fact did... that uh, Art the Clown was different from various other clown films. Yeah. 
Yeah, he was but, definitely no killer clowns from outer space. Yeah, plus you never see a uh, slasher shoot somebody. America, the world was like foaming at the mouth for our, for fucking the It reboot. Like that, it was super fucking anticipated. When the teasers started coming out to see it, dude, people were like, fucking, this looks awesome. I was excited. Um, you know, and in society in itself, you know, like we talked about before, we we're like, I think it was Home Depot or some weird, some store was pulling Halloween decorations of clowns because people were freaking out. It was around the time when, you know, I, I want to say like cops were shooting people in clown out, outfits that were like walking around neighborhoods like at night in clown outfits well, trying I mean, to scare you people get, and you shit. You get those rumors all the time though. Anytime something new comes out horror related, yeah. all those, you know, old urban legends start floating around again about, you know, people having to, you know, call the police because there's some creepy clown standing nearby. It's just yeah. like, you know, I think it's just something that people just like have to talk up to the imagination because they got to get their 15 seconds of fame. Yeah. So, you know, let's say there's a killer clown down the street at the playground and, you know, make a name for ourselves by saying that. You had uh, the American Horror Story had the clown character in there, too. That was a dope ass c- c- clown, too. Um, was that pre was that pre reboot? That was pre Twisty the Clown was pre reboot. Yeah. OK, so that was kind of the first kind of resurfacing of clown a clown being like a big way coming back in a big way i feel well for i i actually i i would go with captain spaulding actually even prior yeah to no you're yeah rest in peace i was i, I yeah i wasn't even putting that that in the category but for, yeah you're fucking dead on correct with that dude because sid's captain spaulding people fell in love with the people that yeah that was the character the everybody fell game. in love with in that from from House of a Thousand Corpses on, people loved that character all the way to even more so than Baby, who Baby is a character painted to be loved, like you're supposed to love her, and people do, but I think that people love Spalding even more. You know what I mean? I mean that's what you know drew me to that movie so much was Sid's portrayal of Captain Spalding. Like I hated dead ass afraid of clowns till that movie, and then yeah. I was like, oh, this you know this is not so bad. He's kind of funny even though he's you know a maniac. Well, he, yeah, he was definitely the heart of that. And if he wasn't in that role, I'd be curious to see where it went because he all the humor that was in that those films comes from Sid, and like without that humor, they're really just violent movies, which I, I like them. But like they're really they're they don't have like a comedic element to level them out, so it's interesting. Another situation where it's like who else, if Sid never did that role and they got somebody else to do it, would it have the know, same appeal that it had? Yeah. The character has with having had Sid. Yeah, I mean a lot of those big films mm. are all lightning in the bottle stuff. You know, I think we talked about on a show, one of the shows we we're talking about this recently, where somebody brought up an actor that would have probably it was a bigger name that could have played this role. But um, if that bigger name did it, it wouldn't have been as good as a, a role because the other actor went somewhere differently with it. And you kind of knew where the other actor would have went with it. And like, you knew that it wouldn't have been as successful uh, if, it, if it was that dude, so to speak. I think Anthony Thurber was going to be. Gonna <laughs> no, gonna no. They're going to play the Joker. I try to get away from the movie business. Thurber was gonna play was gonna play Heath Ledger's Joker in the Dark Knight. Yeah, right. He passed on the role, and Heath Ledger took the job. Yeah, right. I'm not gonna even bother. Thurber, if you 
I know you said you don't want to be in the film thing. If you, if, if you were in, let's say you interview one of your favorite filmmakers, right? I know you're a big Kaufman fan. Let's say you, you, you talked to Lloyd and he said, come on down and be in my movie, be in the next toxic Avenger movie. Would you, you'd take that trip, right? I would have to seriously think about it. Woo! Christopher Nolan calls you up, dude. He says, I need Thurber in 10 and 2. I don't. I'm just so. I can be camera shy at times. Literally. I hear you. No, I'm with you. That's why I'm kind of against it. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. It's tough. There's a lot to it. You know, it's. I tell people, you know, acting. Acting's a weird thing because, you know, you have the element that everybody acts every day, you know what I mean? Whether they're at the grocery store or at a at a family gathering dealing with the second cousin they don't like or something. Um, but then, you know, putting that camera in the, in the people's faces is where the, where the element changes, you know what I mean? The dynamic is different. Um, and often, it's funny because, like, I, I write dialogue and I've, I've, like, done small roles in my own films and I find it difficult to remember my dialogue that I wrote when the camera's on me. Yeah, that would be another problem, too. Do not have the greatest memory in the world. <laughs> you could be like Marlon Brando and just write the script out of your brain. Oh, yeah. Probably doing like, or do it in, like, Sabrina or something and, you know, have, like, a little hearing aid in your ear where they redo your lines to you and, you know, you just repeat after them. I think Johnny Depp does that. Trouble. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. JD, kid. The, um, are you a Marlon Brando fan, Tony? Love the Godfather. Classic, classic stuff. Yes. Have either, either of you had the opportunity yet to check out the newest installment that they've been showing there on, on demand right now? No, it's on demand. It's the recut. Like part it's three recut. recut. Yeah. yeah. Has that, have oh. you guys caught that yet? Enough. I love, I, they, I love how they're packaging that. it as a new, like, the way they, they're presenting it, it's like it's a new entry in the collection. That's why I keep saying the new, because yeah. they're, like, marketing it as that. So many people don't like the like the theatrical third one. They're trying to, like, re-fucking reboot, reboot the legacy in a way, like, trying to take the burden of the third one off of the legacy. Because those first two movies... The first two Godfathers are some of the best movies ever made. Yeah, truly. Yeah. And then the third one's like the red-headed stepchild. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad, yes. but it, it just pales in comparison to the other two. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm probably one of the majority of people that have not seen any of the Godfather movies. You're missing out. The first two are really good. They're epic. They are epic. I'll watch them eventually. It's just it's not something I've ever been into. You know, I'm all, like I'm all about like Scarface, Casino. You know, I've seen those a million times, but I've never actually physically watched the Godfather movies. Yeah, yeah warning you, those are long films. Oh, I know, and I think that's kind of what my my problem is with watching that because I have the attention span of a gnat. So all, it's like all, all those gangster drug like. Like fucking drug cartel movies are always super long, though. Oh God, yeah, they're always like two hours plus. The Godfather is going to be a little more classier in a way than those because it's kind of those movies. You know, we, we kind of eighties, seventies, eighties mobster type deal. Where the Godfather is, I think, like maybe fifties, sixties, error ish. So it like goes back a little bit. 
um, the greatest mobster movie of all time that I guess I shouldn't say the greatest fucking mobster movie of all time, but one of the best, uh, one of my favorite mafia movies that's very underrated that nobody's ever seen. is a movie called the funeral by Abel Ferreira. Anybody ever see that movie? Nope. No, it's a weird movie where it's, it's the mafia, but they never, they never identify as the mafia. It's never brought up. And the whole movie is all about family and like respect. Um, and it's insane. And it has a great ending to it. Great Abel Ferrer, crazy madness ending. Um, but the funeral masterpiece, very good stuff. Christopher Walken's in it. Um, Vincent Gallo's in it. Chris Penn, the late Chris Penn, uh, really solid flick. But let's pop into some guilty play. Really bad films. Yeah. So to roll through this, I'm going to try and go with things I don't think that we've talked about before in the past. And I will bring up first an Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle called End of Days. Are you guys familiar with this film? I I've heard have of it. seen it, and I don't. I don't mind it. I actually thought it was pretty decent. I considering. Yes, I, I'm a big fan of this film. I love watching every now and then. Um, great soundtrack. The soundtrack. This film is phenomenal. Um, you guys think this? I'm pretty sure this is the Arnold going. What the fuck did I do wrong? That sound bite that that I used to always hear as a kid. Uh, and fuck you like if for anybody that ever went on like ebrom's world or whatever that shit was back in the day and you would like see these layouts of celebrities and there was like 20 buttons and one of them could be like schwarzenegger being like fuck get you, to the chopper huh or get to the chopper get to the chopper it's not a tumor um and that was like one of the deals you could do was all the ones of him swearing was pretty much from end of days. I remember. And those were great. I'd love to look some up. Maybe we'll, we'll, I'll play one on the show. Uh, do you guys remember prank phone calls? Of course you do. But you guys remember like the jerky boys and how much prank fun that was? Oh, yes. <laughs> they just, uh, one of them just put out a new album. I, I, I seen, but uh, the jerky boys were good times, but there was, yeah, also- they were. They even had their own movie too. Oh, this, dude, that movie! Uh, I saw, that was hysterical. I, I, I recently hunted that down on VHS. I, I've I seen it when I was a kid when it came out, but I I thought I owned it and I didn't, so I had to go find it and get it. And that was something I needed on VHS. It was one of those deals. But um, yeah, the uh, those soundboards were uh, something else. Those are really cool. Yeah, the old times, but they would take those soundboards and do you guys remember the prank phone calls where they'd use the celebrities' voices and that's what they'd do? They'd pick up and they'd hit like Al Pacino being like, hello. You know what I mean? They'd, and they'd go back and forth. I used to do them with my family. I wish I had them on recording. We'd call them up, call up family members and like pretend to be like one of the celebrity people. You'd have Al Pacino freaking the fuck out. The best, the best fucking Al Pacino one. I don't know what movie it's from. But uh, he'd go, ooh, what a big man you are. Why don't you go get a peck of gum? I'll show you how to chew it. And um, they would, like whenever they dropped that fucking soundbite on somebody on the phone that just didn't know what the fuck was going on, 
that was days of laughter. That was the greatest stuff. The things that you enjoy when you're a, a little kid, a little teenager, a little teenager. Hell, it doesn't take much to amuse me half the time now. It takes a lot more to amuse me nowadays. It's pain. It's no, you got to kind of, you with the way this world is, you got to kind of find something to get a little amusement out of life. No, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. So uh, who wants to go next with their, their, their first guilty pleasure of the evening? There we all go. It is a film which I'm going to show you the cover of. Okay. You'll think this is so absurd. We can see it. Can you see it? No, the glare is well, coming off of it right good. now. All right, I will describe it. Okay. It has a demon on top of it. And it... Underneath it is the lead wearing Somniac. dinosaur, <laughs> a dinosaur pajamas. Don't panic. Don't panic. I've never seen Don't Panic. That's the name of the movie, Don't Panic? Yes. I've never it, seen that one. It was recently released by Vinegar Syndrome. I ended up getting it because, well, sale. it was part of the package. Oh, I, yeah. I pre-ordered the package. For the November Black Friday sale, so that got in there. And this film tries to be a wannabe Nightmare on Elm Street film. Yeah. Oh, this was, this was so hilariously though? bad. Was it fun though? Did it, did it, did he get good laughs out of it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Nah, well, that's a you know, the, you either get a scare or a laugh. It's no not losing the battle if you get one or the other. It's when you feel nothing is when you lose the battle. The main Eric, character... Is that the movie? Is that the movie from 1988? Yeah, I believe so, I think. Yeah. 1987. He, unlock, he unlocks the evil forces in a Ouija board. Yes, that's it. I like it already. Yeah, I I was I just looked it up on an IMDB and yeah, it does look like something I would watch. <laughs> Yo, your your microphone just kicked into the game in a in a good way. Oh, you can actually hear me now? I could hear you before, but it just went up a few notches. Which is good. That's good. That's good, sister. I'll figure yeah. it out eventually. Hey, as long as we're always learning. When when you stop mm-hmm. learning, that's when you got to stop worrying. Yep, true story. But so I'll, I'll have to check that out next time they do yeah, their sale. I also tell you what this film also has: lousy right. acting. <laughs> The main character's annoying. I was laughing as this character was riding his bike with his pajamas. That annoying pajamas with the dinosaurs on it. And to make things matters worse, after the end of the, at the end credits, the lead actor of the film sings a horrible song. Oh, that's my favorite. I was going to say, what's he sing? The song from Barney? No, don't panic. The theme song for "Don't Panic." I think. Oh, I want the vinyl. Is he's also a musician too? On top of being an actor. Oh no! There's nothing worse than like, like musicians that never even had a chance to fail, like never had success to fail, but being in movies. It's like they thought the movie was going to kick off their fucking music career, and then like they forgot, like. It was a weird, like, communication era where, like, the producers thought they were a famous singer, and then the, the singer thought that that was going to, like, kick off their career. And then... They Nothing just wasted, happened. They just wasted somebody's money. 
I love the singer ones. It goes back to uh, Stone Cold, that film we talked about in the first uh, Guilty Pleasures Roulette with Brian Bosworth and Lance Hendrickson and fucking Forsyth, our dude. Um, that movie is like bananas. The I don't, it's like, you know, you just got to watch it. You just got to watch it to understand. But that is in the same realm, I think, of what you're speaking of. Where it's, it's just like, why? <laughs> it, yeah, it pretty though. much. It's funny, I, though. Yeah, watch. well, I love that. That's the thing with Stone Cold is the movie. I don't think they tried to make a funny movie. It's just like. It just kind of happens. It's so yes. fucking, there's so much masculinity and fucking guy machismo flooding that movie that like it's the ultimate guy movie. I don't think there's a, a better guy movie than Stone Cold. That's real. Mad Mel, what do you got over there? Saturday the 14th. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I loved that movie before I knew what a guilty pleasure horror movie was. Yeah. And like, I didn't, I, as a kid growing up watching that movie, I never realized how bad it was until the first time I saw it as an adult. And I'm like, what the fuck? This is so bad. I mean, even, even the, the way, you know, it was shot, it was just so gritty. And half the time you couldn't barely like, if that was a movie that was to get redone and remastered now, I'm kind of curious to see how much clearer it would be just because of the fact that it was shot so shitty. Yeah. But I love it. Yeah. It's good. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's the first, yeah, it's like the first original like spoof movie that I can remember and it's watching. True. So like that was kind of my first guilty pleasure horror yeah, that's up. There's a couple like real spoofy horror movies from like that that time. I think Student Bodies might have been one, and then there was something else, I think. But you know, you also have you both have seen um, April Fool's Day, right? Yes. Yep. I think we might have talked about that in the first episode a little bit because it's like even Once Bitten with like which was like Jim Carrey's first movie. That's yep. like another one that's pretty craptastic but it's so bad it's good yeah seeing a young young jim carrey trying very hard is funny you know what i mean knowing knowing that the heights that he's gonna go to in a couple years gonna go to and seeing that everything you know the heights that he did go to he was already portraying in that movie (laughs) so he didn't really go too far It's so funny. You can really see how you can, you can you can see him trying, which always makes me laugh. Um, next up, I, I have two a double header. I have Children of the Corn, three Urban Harvest, and Part Four. I believe a new beginning. Um, Urban Harvest is the best because they bring the fucking Children of the Corn people. It's like it's Children of the Corn in the hood so to speak, before it, before In the Hood was cool, where it brings them to, like, the, the city atmosphere. Um, I want to say that was around the time they were making Candyman, which is almost like another urban horror. You know what I mean? Yeah. First of its time, both of them really kind of. And then part four, um, you know, it, 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 it had, like, it had a, a child star that was a red, little redheaded kid in something, when he grew up as a teenager, I remember that from it. 
But the thing that I always remember is there's a scene where they're in the, the corn and uh, there's a kid, a teenage kid who gets like his fucking head ripped off. But um, it like, I just remember the effect of it was very uh, effective. It just like you felt it, like the sound effects and, and just the movement. And like, it was one another one of those deals where people's, they, their heads ripped up. So their spine comes with it. And I love that effect. Yeah, there's like there's a scene that's similar to that. And um, did you guys, either one of you, see that movie Candy Corn with um, Pancho Moller from Three from Hell? And it's got, um, I think, Tony Todd's in it. They're all at a carnival. They're like carnies. And I'm familiar with it, but I didn't there's, see it. Yeah, there's a scene um, because I guess I guess the kid that you know they tortured and beat up or whatever that you know the whole curse thing starts. Um, one of the kids that beat him up, they ripped his spine out. And the only thing I could think of was like a finishing move from Mortal Kombat. That's what it looks like. (laughs) Yeah. And it was like, oh, that was like the best kill scene in this entire movie. As a man. It's a very good film. Yeah, I actually enjoyed it. I bought Candy Candy Corn. Corn. Okay. Uh, If I had to die for real in a horror movie, that's a death that I would probably take. Because I like... I like to crack my back and to go not to go too dark, but the same thing I say about when people go for the big hang time that the first, like the first couple, the first second, a second and a half of hang time probably feels pretty good. Not to be fucking dark. Yeah. Right. Cause you get your whole body's getting realigned. Cause, whole, the hard whole, way. Cause your whole fucking body just goes, your whole spine goes, cause now your spine's taking the whole body, your weight. And in the same sense of that, I feel like some fucking gigantic ghoul grabbing the top of your head and lifting it up until your spine comes out. I tell you, the first the first little bit of that must feel pretty good. I'm not gonna lie, dude. It has to, you know that when your when your spine's when your head's slowly pulling away from your spinal cord, and you're. I mean, getting, when you go to a chiropractor, they you're getting all those pops and like crack your neck and do that to you. So I guess you it's gotta, kind of the same thing without, you know, so much hostility and, <laughs> and horror. You got to fit, you got to figure that, that for like your, your body has some give to it. So that first tug, my goodness, that first tug that doesn't kill you. I bet that that first yank from like the very top of your spine in your fucking brainstem, probably to the halfway down your back, if not the whole deal, the fucking rip of like of popping your spine. <laughs> Tony's fucking drooling. I'm drooling. It's like, running, a, it's like running the stick over I'm fucking, type of I'm, I'm drooling at how good I bet that feels. And just pop, 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 pop. And I'm convinced. I don't know, anybody ever got anybody ever been in a fight or anything or like been wrestling around with a, a sibling and they like put you in a chokehold type deal. Uh, and you kind of get your head like pulled away from your body a little bit. And you get like it cracks. Yeah, I had and- that happen to me, but for a whole different reason. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, but if it, you know, if it felt good for a little bit, and- not at all, not at all, <laughs> not in my situation. <laughs> but um, yeah, like it, 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 you, you, you're anybody out there that knows what I'm talking about will get this. But like your when you get to a stopping point, you almost have this weird thing where if you feel like if you go a little more, you'll get a big pop, but that pop could be the last time you ever walk again. So nobody ever takes that pop, 
but like it feels like it's like the the holy grail of pops you know what i mean and i'm not talking funko pops tony we're talking back pops up in this motherfucker <laughs> all right and I, i'm a big dude i'm a big dude and uh i don't get picked up that often and uh, my brother a couple of weeks ago my brother grabbed me from behind like beer hugged me and picked me off the ground and my fucking back it was like dinosaur cracks like it was like fossil cracks it was bones that ain't cracked in fucking 30 years is what i'm trying to say tony the joys and of getting old you sound like a bowl of rice krispies it echoed it like echoed through my body it was like when you're in the woods and there you see those fucking 500 year old trees and you hear that that like echo within them when they move it was like that throughout my body it was good times <laughs> now now do you guys get down with cracking backs as much as i do or am i oh i love getting my back here? cracked like when i was going to a chiropractor that was like the yeah. best thing ever i love it i think it would, it would give people longer lives if they you know went to chiropractic i don't want to i don't know I don't know. If it, uh, well, I had I have a friend that like I mean every time like well pre-COVID days yeah. like we, when we saw each other at the bar on Thursday nights for karaoke like the first thing he would do without fail every time was come and crack my back for me. Yeah. And that was like the best way to start off the night. All right, let's get the JMO and Ginger flowing. I got my back cracked. We can do this now. <laughs> it does a real. It's like a realignment. You know what I mean? It's a good yeah. Deal. Yeah, I think a lot of like. You can just feel the stress. You feel it because you don't realize how much tension and whatnot builds up in certain parts of your body until those parts are like worked out or cracked or rubbed or whatever to make it feel better. Oh, for sure. I mean, you you know, I'm sure everybody's here has done a chore or whatever where like they're in a certain position. So like there's a certain part of their back that starts to like ache after a little bit. And then you like lay on the floor or you lean over something and you crack that fucking part that was aching. And so you can almost feel yourself, feel yourself getting to that. Like, Oh, like you're, you're finding it. And then you find that pop and you're like, Oh fuck. Like an orgasm. It's almost like having an orgasm from crying out loud. And, um, fantastic. See cracking backs is guilty pleasures. That's why we're talking about cracking backs right now (laughs) and bones in general, knuckles, fucking toes my neck anything neck. every part of my body that can be cracked i crack yeah. probably why i have arthritis but whatever it is what it is it feels tailbone good you ever crack your tailbone i've broken my tailbone i probably mm. doesn't feel as good as cracking it you know put another crack in my ass you know <laughs> there you go <laughs> every now and then i can crack my tailbone and it's like the greatest fucking thing i used to be know. able to do that and i think that's why my back is as messed up as it is now i hope not so back at the guilty pleasures over here. <laughs> um, I, last time, did we bring up Fa- uh, Phantasm Three, Lord of, Lord of the Dead? Last time, no, no. I f- I'm a gigantic. I like the whole franchise, of course, but that third one has a special place in my heart. Like it better than the second one. Um, just really fun movie. You know, I like all the, the, the ghouls in it. I think, you know, they, they, they're the three characters they add of like the kind of that older dude, the bimbo and like the fucking dummy mafia guy. Those are real fun characters. I like the element of the kid that they bring in. Um, a lot of really cool stuff in, in part three. I felt. I got one. Ghoulies go to college. Ooh, yeah. Oh yeah. 
Kane Hodder has a cameo in there. He did yeah, stunts on but that. You can't, you can't beat Ghoulies Go to College. I mean, those movies are fantastic and they're all laugh worthy, but like that one was just so out there. Yeah, there's a part four to that too, which is complete. Yeah, I've seen part four. That's fucking like diarrhea, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's, that's part four is the equivalent to. Uh, Having bad diarrhea, wearing a fucking white tuxedo, kid. Go, going to going to the going to your birthday party dinner with everybody, all your friends there, and you got to dance. Ooh, shit! Literally, you got to dance in your pants, dance in your pants, kid. Yeah, that film literally tried to be the sequel to the first one. Yeah, yeah, and that it's failed a- miserably. Rest in peace to Ghoulies Four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even the costume, the, the the fucking the suits they wore, I think were like terrible. Like you could act, you could tell it was just kids in a fucking cheap costume or like dwarfs in a costume type shit. Um, yeah, hey, I don't think you even got the ghoulies from the first three films in that film. No, I think you're right. I think they're all new ones, like teenage ghoulies or something stupid. Yeah, like they had offspring. Yeah, that's weird. It's like they knew that they didn't have the money to recreate the effect, the puppets or whatever, so they fucking didn't didn't bother doing it. You know what's funny is they probably as terrible as they looked, they were probably trying to make them look somewhat like the originals, and then they just failed like miserably. They failed terribly. What about uh, Sorority Babes in the Slime Bowlerama? That's a fun movie. That's a fun movie. I can get down with that. You know what I mean? I know they're making a sequel to that. That's a scary thought right there. Yeah, seriously. And you know what would be even scarier? If they're bringing back the ori- any of, of the original cast of it. Uh, they got, they got Lene, probably. Back. Yeah, they're, they're bringing back all three of the main female leads. Quigley. I knew Quigley. Lene, uh, yeah, I would def- it's definitely interesting to see. I would, I'm definitely interested in seeing Linnea in something like that. Because, like, could you imagine if they brought back the character of Trash from Return of the Living Dead? And, you know... I don't think they can. No, well, they can, can bring her back as the zombie portion. Well, they, no, I think he's a... Yeah, I don't want to speculate, but I think he's... There was one of those Return of the Living Dead dudes that got into some, like, uh, bad ac- extracurricular activity type deal. Like, some fucking Jeffrey Epstein type shit if I remember correctly and I I think that might be the gentleman um, but I'm not for sure I'm not for sure but I feel like that was the dude um, I'm trying to figure out somebody that hasn't been like Epstein or Harvey Weinstein or you know it must be something with those last names that end in Steen yeah it could be Frankenstein Frankenstein <laughs> had that little girl remember uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's crazy yeah i want to say that one of there was some type of weird pedophile deal i think i heard that or some something weird about that or kitty porn or something fucked up with one of them and i think it was that dude but i i don't know for sure um even beverly what's her name beverly fucking randolph uh randolph like i like beverly randolph but People, she, 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 she's, she gets political, I think, and she rubs people the wrong way online. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah, seen, I've her, seen, I've it. seen her posts and stuff on like Instagram and 
Facebook and yeah. when she goes off on a tangent about something, she goes off on a tangent. Which that's not a good look right there. That ain't going to get you no work. You know what I mean? It's or the opposite conventions. with... With Dave, uh, with David, with our, our pal from Terrifier himself, I think he gets a little too political sometimes myself. But yeah, I don't know why it's weird. Like they have a stance, they have an opinion, they want to take it. It's like okay, but you got to understand that you're turning people off with it. You know what I mean? And that's on both. They both. They're both. I think they both take the diff- different sides of that argument. I don't think. I mean, they're both. It's free. They're both free to fucking say whatever they want to say. I just don't know how I feel about, I don't know. I just don't think I'd do it the same way, but I guess that's why I'm me and they're them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Big old um, smiles. Like if anybody, everybody could see the video footage right now, like this is the most I've seen Therb smile in a couple of weeks now. Well, that's what we go for. Yeah. We're, we're here to make them smile. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if they pulled together, like if they did another, I would love to see, you know, Beverly, at least I love, I don't know if that, if those claims about that dude are the real deal, then I could probably do without him, but you know, which one, the one that was trapped with her under in at the warehouse, the, the, like the, the one who says this is the lifestyle, the one who was talking about, this Oh, is, the one that was uh, spike or whatever. Yeah. I, Spooky. yeah. Like Spooky or whatever his name was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, I, <sighs> I don't know for sure, so we won't get into it. But I, I did, did any of you ever hear anything like that, or am I like completely in the dark here? No, I'm could, probably I'm usually the one that's completely in the dark. So you I could. Be, I, I haven't lean, heard of it. I lean more towards me being right. I feel like that it like I am right, but I don't want to get into it just in case I'm not. Well, like you said, though, there's so many of those stories out there about you know people that are into little kids that it's you know you never know these days. Yeah, it's a crazy deal. Who's up next, though? For, for, uh, I think it was me. All right, Terb. What? <laughs> this is a... <laughs> okay, this is a film where it stars... You're not going to believe my next film. Okay. It stars Treat Williams, Joe Piscopo... Dead Heat. Dead Heat, baby. I love Dead Heat. Let me finish. Let me finish. (laughs) Darren McGavin and Vincent Price. That is Dead Heat. Yes. I love Dead Heat. That is such a crazy film. The dialogue is so cheesy. It rushes through everything. Yeah. You even have a resurrecting machine in a butcher shop. And zombie, I think people voodoo because but over voodoo people come back as zombies or something like that. Yeah, and trust me, there's a crazy scene in that butcher shop. <laughs> oh yeah, I think it can't, it's be as, can't be as bad as uh, you know ginger dead men in bakeries. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's an to- insane scene. Let's just put it that way. We're going to have to start doing like a movie review and, you know, bad movie Monday or something. I think it's safe to say any film with Joe Piscopo is a guilty pleasure. <laughs> or either that or just dog shit. It because tries to be a lethal weapon ripoff too. Joe Piscopo is in a movie called Wise Guys by Brian Del Palma, co-starring Danny DeVito. That's one of the best yep. 
mafia fucking comedy films ever made, if not the best. Justin's in here nodding his head like he knows. Yeah. Justin knows what's up. He knows what's up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, I'll get him to stop being so camera shy and pop on and you know actually talk. In the future, he can go on his phone and we could have, put him in a put him in a square. <laughs> Which square do you want to go with? We'll turn shock treatment into the next version of Hollywood Squares. I'm gonna have a triangle, a rectangular. Who's up next? You are, because I okay. did two in a row. <laughs> did I did I speak of Killer Nerd last time we did this show? No. Yeah. Our good pal Toby Radloff, the star of Killer Nerd, um, and Bride of Killer Nerd. He announced on our show that there might be a part three Killer Nerd on the way. Killer Nerd is a fun movie because Toby Radloff is the star of it. Now, anybody that doesn't know Toby, Google him or go listen to our episode with him. The genuine nerd. Nerd. Yeah, yeah I know. Whether, whether it was his, his episode that we did with just him or the Christmas episode right. on, you know, Boombastic Media. That's hey, true. Go check that out. But Toby is just fantastic. Like, He's you don't trip. realize how great, how funny he actually is until you sit and start talking to him or, you know, he's just like a good comedic guy. He's gen, yeah, he's a genuine he, guy. Very nice guy. And like, he's like, he's like our version. He's, he's another therb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's almost like, uh, it's almost, um, very sweet, very kind, very humble. Yeah, very for sure. funny like when you act, and, and and he's like that person, like with Thurb. You you know, once you break him out of the shell, you get to you can have a lot of fun with him. Yeah, for sure. Now, is that the same guy that was in American Splendor? Yeah, yep. yeah, that's how. Okay, uh, Ju- Judah Freelander played him in American Splendor, but he does have a cameo in American Splendor. At the end, he come. There's like a weird mashup of reality where I think some of the real life characters mesh into the film, the narrative film, yes. and um, so he does make a cameo in it. It was cool. To, uh, it was definitely cool. I love American Splendor. Great. Yeah, film. so I, that's why I kind of remember him from that. We're film. gonna introduce you guys. We'll, I will introduce you guys next time. Toby's on the. He's kind of a frequent person. We, we've talked about having him on the shows more of the shows more so he'll be around again we'll get you guys we'll get you guys together maybe you can have him on your show if you want he's a good man yeah he's a good time to have on he's funny like he'll 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 just spontaneously break out into song from like commercials that were popular in the 80s right and that killer nerd character is one of the fucking greatest gimmicks of the 90s almost where this is pre-Columbine, ladies and gentlemen. Pre-Columbine. All right. So you got this. It's, it, Killer Nerd's all about this gentleman who, you know, he's like, you got to see Toby to understand. It, it's like, you know, he's got a whole way about him. Um, and, you know, he, he plays this guy that kind of gets picked on. And what he does is he kind of rises up and 
he becomes, he's really like this anti-hero type character that kind of rises up and starts killing off all these bully type characters. You know what I mean? Um, which is very fun. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people could appreciate that. And it really is kind of a weird. It's like, a, it almost sounds free... like, I haven't seen killer nerd, but it kind of, to me, it sounds like toxic adventure without, you know, the whole falling in a vat of, you know, disgusting sludge. No, you're right. Oh, you, you brought you, you, that's probably the best way to describe it is the yeah, toxic adventure. It has a very toxic adventure type vibe, except for the sludge. Yeah. He doesn't ever change. He stays who he is. Um, fuck it, it, it maybe you ever see that um that god bless america movie that bobcat gold no i've never seen it yeah bobcat directed a movie called uh whatever i just said god bless america <laughs> god bless america uh, and it's a good film it's a really good film and it's all about like a regular dude that just yeah kinda... it's so good you couldn't remember the name after saying it <laughs> yeah that's superman vibe to it too it's just these underdog like these ultimate underdogs it's like ultimate underdogs to the extreme you know what i mean it's where the bench warmers yeah these guys that are being kind of kicked around on the ground shuffled around around people's feet um and one day they just kind of go you know what fuck it i'm gonna like this ain't happening no more and you could either have it, you almost get the joker via the vibe which they came later you know uh hakeem's where he's like he, he's like i'm not taking it no more and he give you know you have the choice to either kind of okay take that and walk away or pursue problems and then you get killed type deal so that was the fun thing about the killer narrative it was kind of this weird you know they were making uh uh when i think of like slasher if you will icons from the 90s i definitely would put killer nerd in that mix you know what i mean toby is a killer nerd um in in the sense of any other you know 90s style horror movie you know i put killer nerd over the dentist which you you know is kind of a slasher dude from that time maybe a little yeah 90s it's 90s dr giggles i put toby over giggles you know what i mean um but yeah, Killer Nerd's a good good watch, and Bride of Killer Nerd. You used to be able to pick them both up on a uh, double feature DVD by Troma. Uh, so I'm sure you could find it used, if not new, somewhere. Tony, you're next, I think. All right, I'll go with another one. In it. Yeah. S- speaking of Troma, yes. Now this is pretty. I much... mean, any you gotta go. You gotta take into consideration too. If you want a guilty pleasure horror movie, anything from the Trauma or Full Moon catalog is gonna end up on our list. Sure. <laughs> Almost everything from yeah. Full Moon. <laughs> Almost everything, but Trauma definitely everything. Now this is more sci-fi, but it does have decapitations and over-the-top action. And it has, is directed by Lucio Fulci. Ooh. It's called sci-fi? the new... Sci-fi, yes. More like a dystopian future type film. Is it Western? No. Okay. It's pretty much when TV pretty much turns completely violent. The new Gladiators. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That is a good flick. I, 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 I'm with you on that. 
Yeah, not one I'm familiar with, unfortunately. So now I'm going to have to go, go and check this out. Oh, it'll be coming out soon. I heard Severin Films will be re-releasing the film. Yeah, I remember Blue Ray, finally. That'd be cool. Death Waltz put to put the soundtrack out a couple years ago, and uh, I slept on it, unfortunately. But I can get it cheap, I think, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, the soundtrack is great in that film. Yeah. Like every other Italian horror film, the soundtrack yeah. tends to be great. You know what's funny, yeah. though? You get, like, a lot of these really bad movies have the most amazing soundtracks. That's true. That's yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the film's way over the top, especially in the third act, where you get explosions, a guy set on fire, you got a couple decapitations. That's Fred Williamson, right? Yeah, Fred Williamson, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen, like, Escape from the Bronx that were kind of made around those times? I've heard about it. Yeah, I've never seen them, but I want to see them. There's two of them, I think. Those will probably be guilty pleasure movies of the future. Yeah, this is like yeah. has like at least three, two other titles besides the new Gladiators. Rome, two thousand twenty-seven, yeah. the new Gladiators, and Warriors from the year two thousand twenty-seven. I like that. Give us something to look forward to when we get to that time. They're all rip-offs of Escape from New York. Yeah. The, the futuristic cities look like they came out of modeling kits. <laughs> they probably did. Yeah. But that Those are like the 80s. You it love felt like film. a 60s sci-fi film made in, I believe, the 80s. Early 80s, I believe. Fulci always has an older vibe to it. His films always have that older look. He wasn't much. He did the zoom in a lot, but out, outside of the zoom, you didn't really move the camera that much. But he loved to use that zoom, man. He used that fucking, that, that, that zoom. Uh, it wasn't a zoom, but, you know, the zooming in shot. That's what I think button. made most of the gory effects work, I think, the way he films them. Yeah, uh, we, we were talking on the show not too long ago, but the argument of who's actually better, Dario Argento or Lucio Fulci. And for me, at least, I go back and forth. It depends on the day, really, because there's, there's certain days that I would say Fulci is a better filmmaker than Argento. I'd probably give the slight edge to Argento because he's done some really great films, like some Suspiria, Deep Red, I love, I love, I love Argento. The thing with Argento, it's a lot of style, um, for sure. But with Argento's movies, I feel like you're, you almost kind of wait the whole movies to see certain parts of it. You know what I mean? Whether it be a fact or a stylized shot. Where Fulci's movies, you can kind of enjoy them from the beginning to end. I feel they're all kind of, they flow nicely and such. Uh, And Argento's, you know, you know. Argento didn't have the luxury of dying, I guess. So he he had he went into his career and made a lot of kind of shitty movies in the end of his career. That doesn't help out his first half of his career because he that Argento was like they call him the Italian Hitchcock. You know what I mean? He was when he's film he comes from film royalty, um, but like he was always uh, higher on a pedestal. I think uh, within within you know genres eyes and like probably the community of Italy um and Fulci I always felt kind of got a rough a rough go at it he always 
I always get a vibe like his movies were incredibly hard to make. They were difficult obstacles, not a lot of money. I think Argento had more money accessible to him. Um, and like I said, you know, when you watch a Fulci movie, like the style is there, like it, it might not have as much style as an Argento movie, but like it does have its own charm and its own style to it that you can go, okay, this is a Fulci movie. You get the vibe, you know what you're watching type deal. Yeah. They all have their, they all have their little like niche that is what they're known for. That is going to draw that crowd back into like their next feature. Yeah. Lucio Fulci kicked around forever. And, uh, you know, there's so many movies that he did that people don't even know. Like, he he done movies outside of the genre. You know, you know, he did comedies, he did thrillers, he did action movies, you know what I mean? It's just, he's really only known for his horror, you know? And then he died eating a cupcake, if I remember correctly, which is terrible. Because of diabetes, he had diabetes and he ate a cupcake, didn't take his medicine and died in the night. That's what oh, I Oh, that sucks. Yeah, weird. Him and Argento were supposed to collaborate on a film, the Black, maybe the Black Cat or something, some Poe. It was an Edgar Allan Poe story, I believe. So I guess I shouldn't say that one of my guilty pleasure movies is that Killer Donuts movie. No, you can. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> killer Donuts. Yeah, there's like a Killer it. Donuts movie. Like that was like an hour and fifteen minutes of my life that I'll never get back. Wow, Killer Donuts. Killer Donuts, yeah. Come up with or that. like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is another good, great guilty pleasure. I think we pleasure. talked about that. The, that's got to yeah. be the most weirdest fucking... That was straight up drugs and like lack of oxygen yeah. created that fucking movie. <laughs> Probably. I still remember when I was... I did a road trip to Florida like 20 years ago and I found that VHS in a fucking truck stop like buried somewhere and I was so proud of myself because I was like, what? Nice, because I was just like, and I didn't own it on anything. And at that point, that's when you weren't get like VHS stores weren't selling their VHS. You know, when they went out, you could buy anything you wanted, but like uh, at the time, shit was still being rented, so they weren't selling everything off. So it was harder to get because there was that time where like you almost couldn't get VHS anymore, but like they were still coming to the. Yeah, like if, like depending on what it was, you could find it. Yeah. You know, like the faces, of, like the faces of death movies. You know, those are like that's like a all of those are like guilty pleasure movies too. Because like, yeah, I try not to. T- yeah, we try not. To it takes a very them. special person to be able to get through those. You have to have like. I've never it. seen any of those, and I probably will never see any of those. I'd ruin you. Tony no, I think, and the worst than that, like the faces of death movies are like guilty pleasure things that I like to watch. But there was one that was even worse than the faces of death movies. It was called Shocking Asia. You think you brought this up before? Yeah. Yeah, and that was, and those were even more graphic than Faces of Death. Well, they said later in life that half of that Faces of Death stuff was fake. It's all staged, yeah. Which was horrifying because as a teenager, like I was one of those gruesome kids that. You know, as a kid, I loved, I, I was, it was a guilty pleasure as a teenager because, you know, we'd go, it'd be, it's like finding a snuff movie, you know what I mean? Like you would go out and try and seek, seek out these faces of death movies, bring them home and you wear them as a badge of honor, being able to watch them and shit. And I remember. Yeah, like it was like a, like a Friday night or a Saturday night and you got like all your friends over at the house. Oh my God, you hear what we're going to watch tonight? She got Faces of Death. We're going to watch the Faces of Death movies. Let's see how much of it we can get through before we puke. I remember eating a bowl of spaghetti, watching Faces of Death. 
just so I can tell the story later of eating a bowl of spaghetti watching Faces of Death. <laughs> <laughs> All the really monkeys getting his brain beaten. Yeah. See, it's weird. And then it's kind of a fucking weird thing where they say, like, with porno, it's like if you, you know, it's like a weird an addiction type deal where you, you get into it, you, you keep going further and further. That Faces of Death is kind of like that, too, because... I've been, you know, I've caught myself uh, watching weird shit on the internet that I probably shouldn't be watching. And I'm not talking about perverted shit. I'm talking about, you know, faces of death shit, you know, where you're watching. Well, I mean, they used to, like, they used to have, yeah, because there was a website. I remember, like, when, like, the internet, like, back in the AOL days, you know, waiting for the dial-up. There was a site that everybody would go to to watch crazy shit like that you know where they would show people getting decapitated yeah, by like rotten, the blades of a helicopter yeah rotten.com best gore best gore is one of them i think steak and cheese was one of them um and then i threw then i just like i see i get see too much horrifying shit that i just like you, got turned you, off by it you know yeah I mean? you desensitize yourself to it all and it's hard to find now every now and then like i would I'd pop in and be like, yeah, I'm fucking, I'll catch up. Like I'd go on like a live leaks and I'd like be like, Oh, I haven't been on air in a couple months. So I'll go, I'll go stroll through live leaks. See if I can see anybody killing himself off. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'd go on and I'd find, you can't find it no more. It's very difficult back in the day. And it's probably a good thing, but back in the day, man, you can go online and like within two clicks, find a video of somebody 12 gauge in their fucking head off. Yeah. And that's um, the thing, like, because they've, They've changed the way everything is done. Obviously, hello, I spend enough time in Facebook jail for stupid shit that I post. Never mind if I were to post something like somebody offing themselves, which people have done. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, there's certain shit that can't be posted these days, but like just keep scrolling (laughs) because there are people that enjoy some of this weird out there shit. In a world where people off off themselves on Facebook Live, I'm happy that that shit Nobody needs to see that stuff. You know what I mean? And no, because you never know. Yeah. There's That's so many little ones. There's so many little ones now that have access and know how to use a cell phone better than right. we do. Like I would be traumatized if my five-year-old nephew, you know, his idea of scary monsters is, you know, like watching the Monsters Inc. movies. You know, right, right, so right. I don't want him to get a hold of like my sister's cell phone or my dad's cell phone, and you know happen across like a video of some kid offing themselves because like he watches he like he loves youtube yeah and like when that well, remember that that whole monster thing like with the type deal and... with the back it, it had like the black and white background I, and i forgot what they were how they were it was they were making fun of it with like jason momoa because of the way the monster uh, is he is a monster yeah <laughs> The, uh, but no, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's good, dude. I, I, when you think back on the stuff that you could have seen when, when, when internet was so open like that, it's all more locked down right now. And, you know, we'd probably be a lot more fucked up than we are if they didn't have the guidelines that they do. Well, it's a weird deal. Yeah. It's how people are react and, and deal with and cope with things throughout, you know, evolving with it it's always interesting to see where people would have ended up and how they ended up. And if things would have been different, if you know, they were raised a different way or they weren't, you know, subject to this or that, 
So it's interesting to see to, to that. But yeah, YouTube, to do the YouTube thing real quick, I remember early YouTube, you could see people dying on, which was kind of fucked up to think about that right now. Because YouTube's like almost a fucking TV station when it comes to restriction, you know what I mean? And guidelines now, it's like the equivalent to Fox 25 or Channel 7. Like they had, there's, there's like rules that they have to follow that you can't have shit on there. But I remember like watching, it wasn't like suicide videos, but it was like, I remember watching a fucking video of this dude jumping off of like this fucking cliff, trying to go into the water. And he, he, he doesn't make it. And you just see his head hit the fucking platform, and it's just like over. Like, forget about it. Like, yeah, no it's five action <laughs> horror films. All fifty feet, like on your fucking head first, and like a fucking metal slat. Like, no, the way I see it is, is a broken rubber was the reason I came into this world. It's not going to be the way I go out. It was like the scene from Midsommar when they jump off the mountain. jump off the cliff. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. It was like the same flat. deal. But yeah, it's weird. But yeah. That's another back cracking is a guilty pleasure of Mad Fishers, and and uh, watching suicide videos is a guilty pleasure of Matthew Fishers. Uh, not so much anymore, but my mind's been burnt up from it from seeing images. I remember the the three craziest things. We're gonna, I think, Behold was gonna talk about this, but the three craziest, fuck, most shocking, fucking things I've ever seen. I think every was the one of the first beheading videos they did when they when when people get their heads cut off. You guys remember that? I'm sure. Um, like Al Qaeda shit. Like there was a video that they released in the audio. The horrifying part was the audio because the audio was like fucking a Steven Spielberg set. Like it was the most clearest audio I've ever heard in my life. And you could just hear the gargling and shit. And I was like, wow. Um, like you can never come back from that. Yeah. Then there was, um, I seen this gang, initiation video where these two girls got they 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 stabbed these two girls like in the face and shit and it was like the neck and it was fucking horrendous and then the i seen a kid yeah there was like there was footage camera footage of like a kid that was in like a resort lobby and his parents weren't, weren't watching him and he falls in the pool and like the video is the kid drowning Oh that, yeah, like it's kid, it, like it, it's so dude, much it's so much different when you're watching something that's happening in real life as opposed to in an actual horror film. Like I've seen, like you see something like that happen in like a, a Final yeah. Destination type movie, you the, laugh it off. The kid in the water is like the most horrendous fucking video of all that, but you know there's no gore to it and there's no violence in it. It's just the helplessness of the poor kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. It fucking tough. It was mm-hmm. tough. And then like. You got the kid, you know, he doesn't know what's going on and he's scared. You know that as soon as the parents knew what happened, that's fucking tragedy. You know what I mean? Uh, the whole situation is just like horrifying. Yeah, your heart breaks for the, the for anyone sure. that was involved oh. with that. Like whether it was the ones that, you know, like the family that it actually happened to or, you know, people that had to be there to witness yeah. the whole thing go down. It's like. That's tough, yeah shocking that's that they need their dose of shock treatment to heal them to bring them back they need some more shock treatment with mel and maddie in their lives make everything better you know what i mean so who's next up for guilty pleasures over there guys huh well we just went off on a tangent on that one i think serves was the last one i think yeah i think that was the last one 
So, Mad Mel, that would be you, I think. I, we went off on this tangent because of me with the Faces of Death movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you brought that in because for a second I was worried that I randomly started talking about me watching suicide videos. And I said, wait a second, am I talking to this? Oh, no, that started with me with the Faces of Death <laughs> movies as a kid. Yeah, that was thought- my I had my eyes closed and I was laying on a couch with a psychiatrist. And when I opened my eyes, I was like, oh, fuck, we're doing shock treatment with Mel and Maddie tonight. Oh, no. You weren't doing that laying on a couch talking to your shrink, bro. You were oh. doing that from the friggin' little padded room with the jacket that lets you hug yourself. Like in the mouth of madness. I'm in my padded room with the crosses all over the walls. Yeah. My face. That's what happened to my face. I was trying to fucking crayon crosses on the mic. Um. You guys ever see Edmund? It's a Stuart Gordon movie. Nope. William Macy? Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. You know, that one, very under the radar. A lot of people didn't like that. Now, you probably get a different opinion now that Stuart passed away, rest in peace. But at the time, people were not digging that movie. And I liked it because it was super fucking dark. Jeffrey Combs cameos in a crazy, fun character that I always make note of. But the ending to that movie... William H. Macy is in it, like like Anthony said. And that was at the kind of the peak of um, Macy. Because Ma- you remember the time when Macy was, like, the, the shit, like, was the dude? Like, he had a couple years where he was, like, the dude. Um, yeah, he saw him in, like, everything. Yeah. Break, and then he went into, like, his show. Like, right before, like, sh- it kind of... I think he kind of... Shameless? Shameless was, like, the peak, I think. Like, I, I this was, like, before Shameless. But, like... This Edmund was like kind of on his come up right before he kind of popped. And it's a very independent movie. I think it's shot on mini DV. It just has this super fucking low budget vibe to it. I think Claire Danes is the chick in it, the girl in it, the love interest. It's a dark, weird teal. Uh, Sydney Lummet story, I think. Um, and the, yeah, the ending to it. Tony, did you say you've seen it? Yeah, I, I think I remember not liking that film. What did you think of that ending? Did you not like it because of that ending? It was just a weird... Oh, sorry. Just like that. At least it wasn't moaning. It was a weird film. It was yeah. very different from what Stuart Gordon was doing. That's why I liked it so much, though. You know? That ending blows your fucking mind apart. That mind, you you almost cheer at that ending because they 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 went that direction. They took that chance. I love that ending. I won't spoil it for anybody because it is the yeah. Because I haven't seen it yet, so now it's just something I want to go and try to see if I can find it to watch. You could probably find it somewhere cheap, free probably. Yeah, maybe Amazon. But I remember that was a weird time where yeah. Um, Stuart Gordon, I remember at the time that was like Stuart way kind of way kind of past Stuart's heyday. Like he was kind of that was like the last real thing I think he did of notability, so to speak, film wise. And I love him, I'm not giving him hard times. Oh, I, I just found it. It was uh, Julia Stiles, Joe okay, Montana, Francis Bay, the little old lady from like with the wedding singer. Is that the am I am I looking yeah. at the right cast? Yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure I got the right one. And Denise Richards is in this? Oh, now I really need to find this. That's back when me and her were dating. It says it's on IMDb TV, so I'm going to have to see if I can... Uh... I've been watching a lot of IMDb TV lately. Yeah, there's actually a lot of really good things on there. Yeah. 
and this movie's got a really good cast. Yeah, it was at what it's it's also had a David Mamet wrote the screenplay for it as well. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. David Mamet, George Went, uh, Mina yeah. Savari. Like, I'm looking at this cast and I'm like, holy shit, how do I not? How did I miss this? David Mamet's highly respected. Gordon was a respected dude. Bokeem uh, Woodbine, like. I yeah, like I'm like really I this is definitely way under the radar. Yeah, check it out. Um it 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 ha what's funny about the what's fun what I like about it is that you have all these gigantic people in it. But it's almost like the I don't want to say quality of the film uh was low or anything, but like it has the vibe of like like uh very low budget, like super fucking low budget, like lower, almost like nobody got paid on the movie and people worked for, like everybody worked for free. It and has you have to take into consideration too, yeah, because everybody that's in that movie, the, the majority of them are considered to be Hollywood A-list. Yeah, well, I think a lot of it was before they popped off. Maybe, like I said, they were right before the height of their careers. There's people, there's writers that are so respected that they did, people just want to be a part of a script that they write. Uh, and then you have Gordon, you have Gordon directing who, who's a great director in his own right. And he was directing a lot of theater and David Mamet is a theater writer, if I remember correctly from theater originally. So it's almost like you're getting a good theater director and a good theater writer together to do something and, all the actors like to do theater because it, they, some consider that to be, you know, like the, the real acting, you know what I mean? Um, who's up next? I think uh, we're back to, I think we're back to Thurbs. Yes. Uh, Why don't we stick with Denise Richards uh, <laughs> here? This is a film that she wears with an at- badge of honor. Because Please don't she, say Starship Troopers. <laughs> no, not that. Not that. Tammy and the T-Rex. I've never seen that. Me neither. I keep it. I've and I'll tell it, you I, why she wears that film with like a badge of honor. Because she did uh, an extra for the Vinegar Syndrome release of it. And she, oh, yeah? And she liked it? I guess if she did the interview, you oh, would think. Her. They paid her. Denise Richards hasn't appeared, hasn't fucking been in anything in 20 years, right? No, she's been in stuff, but it hasn't been anything, you know, fantastic. Who is she married to? She was married to, like, a famous guy, wasn't she? She was Charlie Charlie Sheen. Sheen. Okay, that's what it was. Then I I digress, and I take away everything I ever said, because being married to Charlie Sheen seems like the biggest fucking nightmare of all time. That's a horror movie in itself. I believe Hmm. that. Now, this film also stars the late Paul Walker Ah. from the Fast and Furious films, Terry Kissinger, and Sheen Whalen. Oh, our buddy Sean's on it, in it, huh? Sean Whalen's in there? Yep. Sean Whalen is speculated Sean Whalen might be on shock treatment with Mel and Maddie this season. Yeah, this film was just insanity. It's like, how could you do a film where the T-Rex 
is obsessed with a girl, and she, in return, is obsessed with him. That's very interspecies accent like that. That's, the, <laughs> that's a big marker. It's, right yeah, it's not like oh, I'm gonna go eat the the girl. They literally trans. No <laughs> Mine's in the gutter. Mine's in the gutter. I was gonna say if she can be married to Charlie Sheen, she could deal with the T Rex. Right? Seriously. Now this is how this happens. They, the Paul Walker character gets killed off early in the film. Spoiler alert. Are you talking about life or the movie? The movie. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> then they put his brain inside a T Rex. Oh, Jesus. He goes running around town with a mad scientist trying to chase the T-Rex. Damn. It's crazy. It was originally released in a heavily censored PG-13 version. Yeah. But now the Vinegar Syndrome version, it's uncut with all the gore effects. Does it have additional scenes by Paul Walker's brother in it? Uh, No. (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah, they went back in and re- remastered I it. Think used him. That might be on Shutter, actually. Those uh, dinosaurs. Yeah. I'm looking it up right now, and it says it's on Showtime with the Prime Video channels. So I'm sure we can find it. It's probably because I know I've seen it on like Tubi and um, Crackle before. I just haven't watched it yet because I didn't. You know, it's like one of those ones where you don't know if you want to delve that deep into bad movies and i think i've actually was one of the ones i've you know when we hang out at billy coin's house oh yeah it's part of one i've seen in his collection of movies too we just like we pull it out of the pile and then we never get to it yeah i gotta agree with the third one that you know there's something about those weird cheesy dinosaur movies that I love, like yeah, you guys ever see Prehistoria? Pre- yep. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, like weird shit like that. Um, there was what was that? T- there was a TV show where it was like Land of the Lost, but wasn't Land of the Lost. Um, it was in the nineties. It was a family that like went dinosaurs, huh? No dinosaurs. That's a sitcom. Okay. I love I love dinosaurs. Yeah, the one I'm talking about was like a sitcom. It was a weird movie where somehow this family from the future wound back up in prehistoric time. So they lived in a big tree house and they had like a pet that was a dinosaur. Um that that's not Land of the Lost? <laughs> maybe, the maybe it wasn't like the original Land of the Lost. Maybe and it wasn't the Will Ferrell Land of the Lost. It was in the middle, maybe, Land of the Lost. Yeah. If there was such thing as a 90s Land of the Lost, that's what it was. But I thought it had a different name. Um, no, I don't believe so. Maybe it, it could have been a movie, too. It, it might not have been a TV show. It could have been a movie. Um, not Jurassic Park. No, not Jurassic Park. <laughs> but Jurassic Park's another one of those movies, that another dinosaur movie. That I mean, that's a great movie. Everybody loves that, so you can't really yeah. call it a, a creed, uh Guilty pleasure. But yeah, I love those. You know, I think we talked about the crocodile, like crocodile movies and alligator films last time around, too. Did you see The Pool by any chance? We were talking about that on one of our earlier episodes of Shock Treatment this year. No, I haven't seen it. It's kind of, it looked like, it was like, um, it had like a crawl vibe to it where it was a dude trapped inside of a pool with an alligator. 
Yeah, it's a foreign. It's a foreign flick. Indonesia, um, Indonesia, I think. You know. Yeah, the foreign, the foreign horror, or like, there's a lot. Because I love the fact that you know they're not as subjected to like the process that we are here with yeah. um, the editing and whatnot, so they can uh, they go a lot further. It's true. They get down. They know how to get down. And I like that about Indonesia. Indonesia folks know how to get down with their bad selves, kid. Am I up next? Yep. Are you guys familiar with a film called Night Riders, directed by George A. Romero? I've heard about it. I don't yeah, recall. I've heard of it. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I don't recall if we um, if we if we talked about this in the first round. So I'll bring it up in that first chamber. Um, Night Riders is a weird movie. Um, like I think Savini created the story, if I remember correctly. He acts in it. Ed Ed Harris is in it. Um, so it must have been right before Creep Show or after to continue the Romero Ed Harris uh, well, collaboration. It is on Prime. Yeah, it's a fun. So it's a, it's like medieval, but instead yeah, of yeah, it's a medieval reenactment troupe finding it difficult to keep their family like group together. But instead of horses, it's motorcycles. Nice. Now what that? Now I always it's funny. There's a trinity of there's a trinity of biker movies in my mind, and they all have the same type of ending. Biker theme, biker projects, I should say. You have Easy Rider. Everybody here seen that movie? Yep. Tony? Nope. Huh? Nope. I've never right. seen I, it. I've heard about I, it. I won't. It's a good movie. You should watch it. I won't spoil the ending. Um, Sons of Anarchy, Biker Show. Same ending as Easy Rider. Night Riders with Savini and Romero. Same ending as those other two projects. So it's weird. It's funny that all these. They all took it from Easy Rider, I believe, but it, it's funny that they, it's almost like a, a trademark biker ending is to go to that ending. Uh, but yeah, Night Riders is an interesting movie where I like it. I, I find like the quirkiness in it and I like it, but I, I have friends that fucking hate, like, hate. I've had people just give me that movie out of their collection. On more than one occasion, people have just, I brought it up and said, oh, like, you, you like Night Riders? Cause I've seen it in a collection and them just, them just say, nope. And then like, just give it to me on the spot. So people hate that movie for some reason, but I think it's, I love it. I think it's definitely fucking cheesy fun, not to be taken serious, a weird kind of um, outside the genre direction for fucking George. You know what I mean? He had some films that were outside of the mix. You guys know he, he has an incomplete film called um i've heard about it the uh it's called uh the carnival or the amusement carnival, the amusement i think I yeah think something like that and uh i guess they're trying to re- finish it up for him but yeah he he's had some films that weren't were in horror which are fun and i think night rider is one of them very uh to say that that move i don't know the numbers but i'm gonna guess and say that it probably didn't do that well just because, you know, horror fans were the, his kind of the people supporting him. And even though they had Savini in the role, you know, I'm sure, you know, I don't, 
I, they like go. You like when you watch the movie, you'll understand why it's not as big as it. Like it has heart to it and it's fun, but you'll understand why it didn't quite. It's not mentioned. Why it didn't take about. off? Yeah, well, they'll talk about Martin, or they'll talk about you know maybe the dark half or something like that. Um, you never hear him bring up Night Riders. You know what I mean? The same way you never hear him bring up Bruiser. You know what I mean? I got a question for you. Which out of these two movies, which one do you like more? The Dark Half or Monkey Shines? I did not Monkey see any Shines. Of, I did not see any of those films. Oh my goodness. Those are George Romero non living dead movies. Yeah, Monkey I've Shines seen, is a good one. Monkey Shines is fun, yeah. I've seen the crazies, that's good. Crazies is a good flick, yeah. Even the reboot of the crazies is pretty good. The um well, like I said, like like sometimes sometimes the reboots are good. Like I said, I, I I haven't been able to stop talking about it yet. But the Castle Freak remake from Fangoria was really good. Yeah, I gotta check that. out. I remember you saying. Yeah, that's that. a very good film, Matt. Yeah, I'll check it out. Where's you guys? Shutter. Oh, Shutter. Yeah, Shutter has it. Yeah. Shutter is the deal now. Every that they got a whole bunch of cool stuff. I might have to actually subscribe. It's way better than that Screenbox one is. Oh yes. Tony, do you get do you do Shutter? Yes, I do. Oh yeah, because you're always watching the, Joe, uh, Bob. the Joe Bob's. Yeah, Joe Bob. Yes, Joe Bob, your boy. You gotta get you talking to Joe Bob. We might get Joe Bob on the show. Maybe we uh, might be able to bring <laughs> Thurbin. You want to do a show with Joe Bob Thurbs? No, we won't make it official yet. We have <laughs> shut up, so I don't want to break cards. But don't ever make it official till you get it. You Thurbin, might be a hard one to knows. get. He does. It's funny. We, we, me and Mel, gonna guess tomorrow that um, pe- by the time people hear this show, the, the episode would have already came out. But we don't want to talk about it because it hasn't happened yet. Type deal. Maybe we'll talk about it after the show with the third. Who's up next for a film? I think Mel. Back to me again. Oh my god! There's so many movies. Um... Supposed to have a list. Supposed to have a list, Mad Mouth. Yeah, that's the problem, though. I did have a list, and I always go off off of it anyway. So I know. And I don't like necessarily want to like. I'm like right now. I have that's my boy on it in the background. That's a like guilty pleasure Adam Sandler movie. I guess you could go with that. Um, Would you consider a little nah, little Nikki? I mean, little little Nikki. Horror little, element to it. Yeah, little Nikki's cute. Like that's definitely if you're gonna consider that any type of horror movie, that's definitely a guilty pleasure because most Adam Sandler movies suck. Well, I like Sandler. Movie Halloween. That wasn't that bad, actually. No, that was actually kind of cute. He should do like a he, Sandler should do like a legitimate horror movie. That'd be fun. That'd be interesting to see his portrayal of an all actual horror movie. Because um, was it Chris Chris Rock? Everybody's like, yeah, no, no, no. no. <laughs> well, no, didn't didn't Chris Rock just take over the fucking Saw franchise? Yes, but at least he has Darren Lynn Brosman directing the film. Yeah, in my eyes, that's not a good thing. Brosman, I think, is one of the most overrated filmmakers since since the term overrated filmmakers but exist came into existence. What's, what's your what's what are your opinions on um was it Jordan Peele? Not against people nothing against, nothing against Boo I'll get that. I, nothing against the Boosman dude personally, but 
I his film. I know a lot of people like his films. I've just never, dude. That that Mother's Day remake was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. That Repo movie. I know people love. It just didn't click for me. The generic uh, opera one. Huh. Repo the generic genetic yeah, opera. Yes. That didn't whatever. click with me. I know people. Yeah, I don't. It. I'm not a fan of that it. either. His 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 you know installments to the Saw franchises were they worked. You know what I mean. And what was your question? No, I was like, because we're sitting here talking about reboots, and I'm like, what about like Jordan Peele redoing like People Under the Stairs? Well, yeah, Tony, you got you want to? What's your take on that? I would like to see Candyman first before I make a judgment on that. Yeah, my my my, I would say I agree with Tony. I would say I'm I'm happy and cool with him doing People Under the Stairs. Um, Real, you know, I'm very happy that they picked an obscure movie to kind of reboot because he could easily have done another Exorcist or fucking, you know what I mean? Another movie that's been done to death, he could have done and you know, tried to reboot like a Nightmare on Elm Street or something. Well, they're rebooting the Wrong Turn, you know, franchise, and that's another one that you know it's been always been a guilty pleasure franchise too, just because they're so off kilter. Yeah, wrong turn. You could easily just call it something else and get away with it. I don't know why you would, you need to. I don't know if the wrong turn fans are going to return for the reboot, but you never know. Um, Mad Mel, you had a question. I remember I started to answer. Oh yeah, the, re- the people under the stairs. I support it. I think it'll be it. It, it is like urban horror. So I think he'll have a good touch on it. And it, it, you know, you break it down into the fact that you have this weird family that are rich. Um, and you know, you know, some some inner city folk try to break into their house to get their riches, and they find themselves in in kind of a fucked up Home Alone type situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, minus the Matchbox cars. Yeah, and um, our boy Sean Whalen. Hopefully, they have a cameo. That'd be cool. Um, but I'm I support it. I think it's cool. Like I said, they're. I, Things that's what I'd let, rather see is these more obscure horror movies get remade and rebooted than like the ones that I could I could almost see somebody arguing the fact that hey there hasn't been an audience for people under the stairs for twenty years you know what I mean and this will kind of reopen up you know people will go back and look at the old one over this you know so I give it that like when they like a superhero movie when they reboot Batman like every two years like you can't fucking you can't justify that really, I feel. You know what I mean? In the sense, I mean, people love it and shit and it's to make money, but it ain't going to work. It, you know, it's one of those deals. But, you know, people under the stairs I support because, it, yeah, it hasn't been, people haven't really talked about that movie in a while. As opposed to other, other franchises, you'll see continuous to, continuingly to be rebooted, like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or like Black Christmas. Uh, a black Christmas. Oh, don't get me started on that one. Even black oh yeah, Christmas. that that was that was that this last one that they did was such. Ugh. That's a, that's garbage. Boy, Jason Bloom, JB. He also destroyed the Kraft franchise as well. I yes, that. I agree with you on that one completely too. The, the Kraft legacy was pure horseshit. I wonder if Jordan Peele will. will... He's not working with the Bloom House people anymore, is he? He's kind of transcended into the next level straight. I think Universal, he fucks with Universal now. I think that's he's like their dude. He's what M. Night Shyamalan was for a little for a little while when he when M. Night was killing it. And he's where Jordan Peele is right now in that, that seat. 
So he's he's like in his like fifteen minutes of fame with the horror genre. Well, Jordan Peele is an interesting character because in the the comedy he, he he was big in the comedy deal for a while, and he'll do yeah. I think he's coming in through the comedy and horror door, um, and he's doing really good in it. But he's not going to disappear. George, he he's going to eventually evolve and he'll be doing dramatic. You'll see him do an action film or something. He'll definitely do like a dramatic, more dramatic film. They'll probably give him an Academy Award for it. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it, uh, but that, that'll that probably happen. Um, but yeah, he's a dude that he's, even though he's in horror right now, heavy handedly, he'll be, he'll be bouncing around the different genres because he's a talented dude. A lot of people like him and um He's kind of like fucking one of the biggest deals in Hollywood right now. So whatever he says goes, that's kind of how it is. You know, when you've got that power, you do whatever you want until you, until you don't, you show up and you don't have that power anymore. You know what I mean? His last film, Us, was a great film. Yeah, that was a good one. I like, I enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, everything he directs is solid. And even the stuff he produces, like Candyman, like Tony was saying, like, I really think Tony, I really think Candyman's going to be good. I got a good feeling it's going to be really good. And I got a good feeling that people under the stairs are going to be good too. And it's going to be the same thing like the Candyman deal where he's just going to produce and somebody else would direct. And it's very quite possible whoever is directed, who I think it was a female director that did Candyman will probably direct people under the stairs as well. If Candyman is a success, I'd be willing to say that the same director will do people under the stairs. It'll be interesting to see. And hopefully, you know, it doesn't, I'm kind of hoping they do the same thing that they've been doing all year so far with like the direct to TV, you know, direct to home video type of deal. Yeah. Just so that that movie can be seen because that was like one of the most anticipated horror movies of last year. And, you know, because of COVID, we didn't get to see it. So right. we didn't get to see Halloween Kills neither. Nope. Yeah, I know. And that's another one that, you know, is slated to be, you know, they're going to try and release it again this year, but. Yeah, I, I'm kind of digging the, you know, let's just watch it at home vibe, even if, you know, it's, you don't get the same effect as going to the theater, but I don't give a shit at this point as long as I get to see it. Right. Which film are you guys more excited to see, the new Halloween or the Candyman movie? I want to see Candyman. Halloween. I got up. I can't. I, I'm more anticipating Candyman. And I love you the know I really want to see the Candyman film as well. I mean, after good. the after the this last Halloween movie with Jamie Jamie Lee Curtis, like I'm not I'm not going to lose sleep either way if I see it. Halloween Kills. I'm not going to lose sleep if I don't see it right away. But yeah. um, Candyman. It's been a while since one has been released, so you know. It, I want to see what he does, what he's going to do with this movie, especially after seeing us and seeing Get Out. You know, he just has an interesting take on his film. So I want to see what he does with Candyman. I really like the new Halloween. I like David Gordon Green. I think he's a really good filmmaker, director. Um, I don't I don't think we needed to see another Halloween movie that quick. I think the part of the success of what it was, because it's been so long since we've had like a, a decent one. Because, like, I remember the yeah, first... Yeah, so now they want to capitalize on it while there's well, still that. That's the unfortunate thing. Now, the the thing that makes me worry is that as much as I loved that first, that reboot, the 2008 reboot or whatever it was, the, I've gone back and watched it in recent years, in the last year or so, and I don't, I don't like it 
I don't like it as much as I liked it that first time. So I think a lot of the the it's already lost its appeal. Yeah, I think the fact that that, that we were just getting something new by good filmmakers and it was a good product. I think that that was like they should have stopped there almost. And that we've talked before about how they announced two films, which is a terrible idea. They should have just done the second one and then waited to the right time to announce the third one. Announcing the third one already means that the second one's kind of meaningless, I think, because it's almost like a jump over. It's like leapfrog. It's like, let's just leapfrog into the fucking third one. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like putting out Christmas decorations in August. Yeah, we all know it's going there. You know what I mean? It, it You know, Michael Myers never dies anyways, but it's like, we know that nothing's like it's just gonna be one big build up for part three you know what i mean it's like we're just gonna give you this big te- we're gonna call a big teaser called part two to get you to part three i don't know i think, it's, I think it was a bad move um, yeah i didn't like that move announcing two films at the same yeah. time yeah it's very weird and it's like is it like you know, in this age where, you know, it seems like every friggin' movie franchise now is making like a last movie in two parts. That's what it kind of feels like, you know, like, yeah. Is this going to be like Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows with like a two part deal? You know, we all know Michael Myers kill. We know Halloween kills, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I don't think, like I said, I don't think the second one's going to be as, have as big of a boom as the first one did. And even if it, it does go straight on demand, like the environment of the theater, I think was, was, you know, there's certain movies that you need, you want to see with an audience. I think that horror movies and like how that Halloween movie is something you wanted to see it with an audience. And when you're sitting down in your house, it takes away the specialness of the activity of the hoopla of going to the theater. So it's just gonna, it's not going to be as epic. You know what I mean? You know, the film, when, when you put the film on a pedestal in a theater with all that sound and the big screen, it's an epic thing where you kind of almost have to have more respect for it, so to speak. Whereas if you're watching it on your home entertainment center, it's the equivalent to a TV show or commercials, not a fucking big special occasion. You're not going to take it in the same way. So I yeah, think it's it misses gonna, that. It misses the atmosphere. Yeah, I think it's going to be less and it could be great. It's going to be but I think it's going to be less well received. Um, I think Candyman is going to be a bigger deal. Uh, Candyman will have the pop that 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 2008 Halloween had. Candyman will have that pop. Uh, and hopefully they don't decide to do sequels because then that'll kill off that franchise where that big pop and then just letting it be what it is and moving to another franchise or whatever, or an original project is the way to do it. But it'll be interesting to see where it goes. I know that Jamie Lee Curtis is like more invested in it than just acting. She's like the producer, executive producer now. Yeah, she's had her bigger. It's very possible that the three, it was a money decision. You know, they were all, you know, they were like, you know, give us this for, we'll give you two more movies. You want one movie, give us two. And we want to be paid this for both of them. It could, you know what I mean? The fact that there's two movies could have been a big, could have been like negotiation process or something, but I thought it was a bad idea, like terrible. Like I, I agree with you guys. It's terrible. Why, why do it? Why, why bring it up? And as an independent filmmaker myself, man, who's made movies that take, uh, took a little longer than they should have, you know, 
it's a horrible thing when you announce a film ahead of time because there's there's always like a pop that you'll get from the announcement of people get excited they want to see it and then the, the longer the time is before you put that product in front of them the more they lose interest in it and uh it's just trouble so i think you know with covid the fact that we're not going to see these that halloween movie for two years since we're not going to see it it's supposed to be out this year it's October. It's, it says October fifteenth, twenty twenty one is the expected release date, but they haven't screened it yet. And then they have Halloween Ends slated to release like twenty twenty two. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I don't think it'll this be. Isn't, this isn't Lord of the Rings, you know. <laughs> you I know. know. It's a big. They're probably pretty cheap to make, realistically, production wise. That's probably why they greenlit it. They greenlit it because for the money that it made, they're making two Halloween movies for less than it would make a big blockbuster. You know what I mean? Movie. Yeah. It's interesting. I guess that's, that's, I don't know. I don't have anything else on my guilty pleasures now, (laughs) but like, I'm just waiting on like certain uh, stuff now. You guys ever see a movie called without warning, the Graydon Clark film? No, no. It was also called It Came Without Warning. I have an old poster for it. It's um, it's an alien movie, um, but, like, the aliens in it are, like, my favorite, I think, I've ever seen an alien in a film. They're, like, these big-headed, weird-looking. It's, like, stereotypical, not the gray look, but it's, like, the big-eyed, weird, like, oversized head, just very unnatural-looking effect in Whenever I think with the bony fingers and shit, whenever I think of like an alien, that's the creepiest image of an alien I can get in my head is pretty much the 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 film the uh, the fucking without warning aliens, but Graydon Clark. Um, they released that on um, that had a cool Blu-ray release. Uh, I think Shout Factory put it out. So yeah, definitely worth checking out. That might even be on Prime if you guys like alien shit. Yeah, Prime is really Prime is like really during COVID stepped up its game on uh, the horror movies that they're putting out. Yeah, because there's a lot of older horror movies on there that you wouldn't normally find or are, are more difficult to find. Right. Yeah, but that without warning, classic flick, classic flick. Does anybody else have any movies? Well, since we're talking about slashers, Hell yeah. I got one. See no evil. I love that movie. Uh-oh. That's a definitely good good one for uh, guilty pleasures. Um, I don't know what it is about seeing wrestlers in horror movies. Like it works, especially when it's Kane. You know, just because of the fact that you know he's already known to be like that sadistic person, so you know to see him, you know, cutting up a bunch of kids in an old hotel is not surprising. If I remember correctly, that was like pre-Rob Zombie, so like that was pretty violent. Well, maybe not pre-Rob Zombie, but that was like right over. That was probably around right around that same time. House of a Thousand Corpses came out. I think they were. It almost had that Rob Zombie's vibe to it. With the, I think it had heavy metal music as well as like the way it was shot kind of had a weird zombie vibe to it. Yeah, it had a music video type feel to it, yeah. which I hate most of the time. <laughs> I know. You must hate and, it, and I literally hated midway through the film too. 
Yeah. It's one of the reasons why I put this in a guilty pleasure film is this film starts out thinking that the officer character yeah. was going to be the main character of the film. Yep. And then it gets taken out halfway through the film. It's like, what the fuck? It's a very it's psycho like, thing. Yeah, very it's psycho. like, what the hell? I don't want to see those annoying kids. And the, and the second one is even more of a guilty pleasure than the first one is. Second one's better than the first one. <laughs> At least it's competently directed. The Soska twins. I'm ready I hear that. Yeah, I I like the I like the Soska twins. Like I I I mean, Dead Hooker in a Trunk isn't exactly a favorite, but you know, like I love American Mary. I, yeah, I I I bought, I own American Mary. I've never seen it. I plan on watching it though. Um, Dead Hooker in a Truck. I remember Dave Maggot told me it was the worst movie they ever made. It is. It's beyond atrocious. So I, I stayed away from that. Uh, but I, I, I'll check out that Rabbit reboot eventually. I mean, they're they're kind of those higher indie film people. You know what I mean? They got they find the money to do you know to make the movies that they they need to make. So to, you know what I mean? So respect to them. I know they you know there was some weird deal with them or last year. Where there was some weird beef. Yeah, people get beef. You, yeah. Never, yeah, you never know what the real what the deal is. It could be just somebody being jealous. It could be a real thing. So like we won't. Anthony, even get into it. what was your favorite horror movie of twenty twenty? I really don't want to give it away, but oh right. yeah, he's doing his own show. You can oh, do oh, my oh, own oh. show. Oh. I'm not giving it away. In all fairness, in all fairness, though, Tone. No, this, this episode, will probably be out after. <laughs> this episode won't be out till probably early March. Early March. Okay, yeah. then I'll I'll give you my film. Right. The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Snow. Okay. Hollow. It was I've, that good, huh? I've it's very I've good. In my queue to watch. I you know I I've heard a lot of good things about it. That film is horror's version of Fargo. Mm. I love Fargo. Very strange characters. Very strange plot but it works so well it's also like one of the last films from robert forster too oh really i didn't realize he was in that very nice yeah this is kind of like good to know just because like i said i've i've it's in my queue of things to watch i've because i've heard so much about it so it was just i haven't like it's very quirky yeah the the opinions that i you know and comments i've heard of haven't been about from from anybody that I actually like really know, so I I tend not to go by opinions of those that I don't know. It's good to always have somebody that you know that has actually seen a film, yeah. their opinion too, because like weighs more if I'm gonna watch it or not than a total stranger. It literally was the last film I saw in 2020, and it probably be one of my first ones for 2021. Because I literally had the Richard Stanley Color Out of Space as my number one film before I saw that film. Richard Stanley is a good guy. Yeah, Yeah. we'll we'll, we'll definitely talk more about it later. (laughs) Hasn't done a film in like ages. Who? Richard Richard Stanley. Stanley. He just did Color Out of Space. What are you talking about? No, besides that, he hasn't done a featured film. He's in a documentary. He's working on one as we speak. 
the doc, yeah, he's working on one, and the document, his documentary was actually really good. Yeah, I do have that. I'm gonna probably check that out eventually. By the time, by the time you, the world hears this, he could be like getting into shooting it. He's doing another uh, speculation. He's doing another Lovecraft movie. Good speculation. Oh yeah, well. Oh, I'd rather see him do another movie than take twenty years and disappear uh, again. Well, we'll see. If you could, if you, if Richard Stanley was here right now, what would you? What say? would you ask him? What would you say to him? What would you ask that? Please one? continue making films. Hey, because Hardware is just a great film. Hardware is the best. You know, the last year, twenty twenty, was the thirtieth anniversary. Yes. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Hardware is good times. I always tell people they need to go back and watch it. They considered it a Terminator Two ripoff or a Terminator a Terminator ripoff when they first made it. You believe that? It didn't feel. It felt like more like a post-apocalyptic film. Yeah, I think just the robotic like Terminator was huge at the time, so they just kind of lumped it in. It's almost like the it in the it in Terrifier type deal. Hmm. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, fuck yeah, man. Yeah, hardware is great. Flick Mad Mel, I think was gonna pop it out, right? I love the robot. The road, the look of that robot's the fucking yes. Yeah, I still haven't had the opportunity to watch it, but I I need to find it like tonight. Do you think that there? Do you think that the fact that it turned thirty years old during Donald Trump's America has, is a, a coincidence? I almost feel like that. Remember that robot with the American flag over its head could have been could be that could be what we could be fighting in the streets pretty soon. Right? Seriously, with the way everything's been going, I wouldn't doubt it. Imagine the army gets turned into robots with fucking flags painted on their face that like with machine gun arms and fucking Yeah, they're not gonna be Johnny Five, that's for sure. Yeah. They go, Matt, remember when you said on shock treatment you want your head ripped off? Here you go. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's the future right there. Yeah. Good stuff. So cool beans. I think that kind of wraps it up. We get a lengthy one here. A lengthy one, folks. We're good for lengthy. It keeps it long. Thurber's <laughs> got the mo- Thurber has the most length in the business, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I have the shortest length. <laughs> oh, come on. That's not what I hear. <laughs> I, hear, they hear I heard they call you the human tripod. <laughs> I heard that you, you, can just, you just pop your kickstand up and lean over whenever you're tired of walking. <laughs> kind of chill, just kind of chill there for a little bit. You know what I mean? Take a breather. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's good to see you laughing and smiling. I know you're paying. I gotta do it too. <laughs> I know it's so good to see the third smile in 2021. We all survived 2021. Be a better year for everybody, for the world. There, there ain't gonna be no horror movies in 2021. <laughs> But, you know, hopefully things will get better. There was a movie. Um, did you guys hear about that movie? I think Michael Bay did it. It's like um, it's dealing with like COVID, like that, like a, like a futuristic. Yeah, I've heard COVID about that. Called like some Songbird or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I want to check that out because uh, I'm very curious. 
it's weird. They made a big COVID move. It's like, I guess what I've heard about it is it's, it's awkward because um, it was like, I guess there's a whole bunch of people in it and it was made about COVID, but like, it's kind of weird that they, it's such a big production that was made during COVID. So people speculate. I've heard some conspiracy theorists speculate that the film was actually shot before COVID. And yeah, because it's got like Craig Robinson, Bradley Whitford, yeah, they, Peter Stormare, because uh, well, Sandra Daddario is in this. Um, yeah, Jimmy it's like a, yeah, it's like a few like a weird post-apocalyptic, like in the future, if there was a like a another COVID that really fucking killed people off type deal, like in a big way. Yeah, it's weird. it kind of sounds like like it's like a COVID movie, but like it's like the purge and you know everything all combined into one yeah they also could have just made a post-apocalyptic film like before and then when covid broke out went and did some changed up some dialogue in it to make it yeah and it takes this one takes place in 2024 the weird thing about 2024 and the conspiracy theorists and the truther movement they the, the thing about 2024 is they said that's the year that the population control thing that they believe how they're trying to you know depopulate the world by like 90 percent. they say that by 2024 that's when their their whole thing's supposed to be done which is creepy you know what i mean very creepy stuff yes but that's you another show but we can't let it get us down because we're living in the moment baby we're jamming and jiving snapping our fingers dancing we got our tap shoes on like bill cosby back in the day tap dancing on the sand anybody remember that episode yeah Jeez. Now Bill Cosby's tap dancing in his fucking jail cell on sand, doing it nice. They bring in fresh sand for him from the beach. Getting his put in pops a whole new way. Yikes. Fuck. I wonder <laughs> I wonder what I wonder what prison I wonder what prison life is for, 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 for the Bill. I wonder how the Bill I'm sure he's not in danger. No, he's not he's not there's no way he's with the general population if he's even still there. I could almost see him being there because everybody loved Cosby, dude. Like, that's the thing about that's why the Cosby thing was such a big hit because he was like America's dad for like fucking twenty years. Like, the, the a lot of good came from the show, of course. You know what I mean? Uh, I always kind of you know pre fucking rape and shit. Of course, I always credited Cosby with being like. He, he was kind of like a father for generations of kids who didn't have fathers type deal. And not yeah. only that, but, you know, f- like fathers that didn't have fathers that don't know what fathers are supposed to do. Like he was, he was like the, that father figure that showed them how to like father their kids. That's why it was such a wild flip when fucking that came out. That was like mind-blowing like you'll notice how ron jeremy went went away for for rape and like nobody talked about it because everybody just assumed it was like you know just another day of the week you know yeah because I mean? it's like you know because he's in porn so that that's to be expected look how but... quick yeah look how quick ron jeremy when you think about it com- compared to a cosby or a weinstein look how quick fucking ron jeremy went away in the prison like there, there he it was literally it happened and he was in prison like in a week. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe he didn't have. I know he's a cheap guy. Maybe he didn't want to pay for the lawyers. Um, 
But I, yeah, I was going to say money. I'm sure money was a, a factor. And he, if you didn't want to dish it out, you know, you right off to jail, you go. Do not pass go. Do not collect that $200. I do. I do hear that what, what Jeremy's packing is the equivalent to like a, a four foot sword in the shank yard. So you don't want, they, you they don't must want to, love him in there. You don't want to be you don't want to reach for the soap with, 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 with Jeremy, Ron Jeremy behind you. You know what I mean? Or anywhere near you, for that matter. See, the funny, the, the, this is the problem that Ron Jeremy has is he go when he when he talks shop around the when they're in the mess hall talking about life. What's he gonna? He's to talk about porno. Get the guys all hot and bothered, and they're gonna fuck him. Maybe that's what he's looking for. Could be making pornos inside, making pornos from the inside. Literally, literally <laughs> from the inside. Yeah, no pun intended. It's unfortunate that Ron Jeremy went that route because he he seemed he was a, he was a weird guy, but he always seemed like he was cool. You know, he did all, he did a lot of tra- work with trauma. He was a dude that like you almost had sympathy for him because he played he was just such a sympathetic, weird character as a person where there was something sad about him always. You know what I mean? He always had this weird sad vibe about him, and he really wanted to be like a real actor. That was his whole take. I got a documentary they made about him where he was just like, it was kind of about how he really wanted to be a real actor. And there was all these Hollywood movies that he got like cameos in and shit. They cut him out of it. Um, weird, weird deal. And then, you know, he's known for just having a big dick, you know what I mean? Which is great and all, but I'm sure that kind of go, you know, that, lo- that, 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 that loses its fucking charm quickly. You know what I mean? It's weird. <laughs> Imagine... Tony, imagine here you had you had this big gigantic like thirteen inch cock, all right? Though you had this big fucking pinochle hanging down to your kneecaps, right? So like, after a while, it would become a weird deal because <laughs> even these girls, they're not wanting to be with you because you're you're fucking the host of Anthony T's horror show. They want to be with you because you got twelve inches hanging. You know what I mean? So realistically, they want that pinochle. They don't want you. So that's a lot of things he was dealing with that shit, you know, and then he's burdened by his whole career. If he wanted to be a real actor, it's a weird deal that that Ron Jeremy is a twice quite a twisted tale, twi- twisted web. He weaves. Yeah. Um, he would have been a great guest to have on the show. Maybe we'll get him when he gets out. <laughs> Maybe we can a do definitive a interview. Ron it's Jeremy. Shock treatment. <laughs> Can we interview him over the phone? I don't know if he has enough quarters to let make the phone call last. (laughs) (laughs) He's showing his penis to people for like fucking for quarters. That'll be one hell of a collect call. Hmm. I'd pay the collect call for that. (laughs) I don't. I don't know if he'll be in jail forever. I don't think he'll be. He'll be out eventually. He's such like a dude. He's he's a big attention whore type dude too. Where he's all about where if we could actually get a hold of him, we probably could get an interview with him. He'd probably want money, of course, but I'm sure he'd be down to do it. They all want money. Of course they do. Why not? Do you think that so, the, the you know ju- the judge that sentenced him didn't like him because he had a big pinochle? Probably wife compared him to him, and you know that was the end of that. You're going to jail. That's what I don't like about judges. Is it like they could, they could be, they could argue with their wife before coming into your fucking trial, and just like 
send you to the fucking electric chair over a parking ticket. Yep, because if they come in, if they come into work in a bad mood, you're going to jail. It's final. It's not. It's not. Judge Judge Piscopo had a bad day that day. That's you know you're you're. My cousin Vinny's not coming to bail you my out. Cousin Vinny ain't coming. Yeah. Sad stuff. Well, yo, we just did a legendary, epic Anthony Thurber fucking three-hour episode. <laughs> so, Anthony, for any new listeners we have out there, where can people follow you on social media? You can follow me on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, in the Slosher app at Anthony T's Horror Show, on Twitter at Anthony T's Horror. You can find my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. I dig, I dig, I dig. We'll post all these links so that you can uh, follow our friend and his show. Yeah, everybody out there, you know, listen to Shock Dream with Mel and Maddie. Mostly ghostly. Behold the Pill podcast. Boombasticast is now part of the Dorketing Network situation, so you'll be able to catch audio episodes of that here as well. And check out the YouTube page for Boombastic Media. You'll catch a lot of our video stuff that complements our audio stuff. Very nice. Mel, would you like to say anything in closing? Just stay safe be nice to one another. I sound like a bad episode of Jerry Springer right now, but like this world is just awful and you know, people need to just slow their roll, pump their brakes and you know, be nice. Won't kill you. Lead by example. If you want the world to change, be that change you want it to be. Facts. Word uh I Derberman, always a pleasure. Thanks again. We'll probably have you on a handful of other times throughout this year, you know, when we can get you, when I can pay off your agent to answer my phone calls and stuff. <laughs> Figure out, you know. Unfortunately, I don't have an agent. That's all yeah, that, That's this year? I had to give not going to be this fingers. year neither. <laughs> I had to give two of my fingers to get Thurber on this show. Ah, <laughs> If anything, but, I'm my own agent. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's the way to go, my friends. That's the way to do. You don't get to cut them in on no money. But yeah, everybody out there, go check out Anthony's show. I love it. One of my favorite shows. I got the button right next to me now. I got the sticker on my laptop upstairs. Anthony's killing it. You know what I mean? Mad Mel's killing it. Killing it all. We're doing we're a bunch all, of killing. We're all killing it this year. We're all killing it. So, you kill it with us. We'll catch y'all on the next episode of Shock Treatment with Mel and Marty.